you know, it must have been a TV show. Yeah. The New Normal, that's what she was in. The New Normal, which had NeNe Leakes from Atlanta in it. Yeah. All right. So we'll get that in your celebrity rundown coming yep. up. Uh, the update on the uh, the trial, which is almost over, as a matter of fact. Uh, time is 7.23. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Oh, happy Friday, Sandy. Happy Friday, happy. Blake and Aaron. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing all right. Doing all right. All right, all right, all right. What do you got for us this morning? Let's start with scammers. Uh-oh. Ooh. They are everywhere, and the RCIPS yeah. is warning the general public, do not fall for these scams. I think we've seen them all coming in by SMS or text messaging. They do it by WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. They're emailing you. They're you know trying to scam you through Facebook, claiming that you've won money or um, that you need to check your bank account. And in most cases, they're just randomly guessing because they don't even have the right uh, bank that you bank with. So and it, should, it should be pretty easy. Yes. Don't click on a link if, if you're like a CNB customer and it says, oh, your CIBC yeah. account. You're like, okay, I don't have a CIBC account. These uh, the scammers try too hard. Like all, all they need to do is like offer like a free mail. Here you go. You've won a free <laughs> mail. And I'll be like, here's my bank account. <laughs> yeah. So um, like, you've won a million dollars. I don't believe you. Here's exactly. a free mail. Here's my bank account. Speaking of scammers, um, a Jamaican phone scammer who targeted an elderly couple was captured after former FBI and CIA agent director and his wife were the intended victims. Well, oh, they were pretty oh, smart. Wow. <laughs> so they weren't the typical elderly couple. Um, Mr. William served as a um, director of both the CIA and FBI. Wow. And he's actually the only person to have ever held both positions, ironically enough. Hmm. So this scammer picked the wrong number. Yeah. yeah. Good. So um, he called and he threatened them. And of course, Mr. Webster compiled evidence against the scammer and informed federal uh, authorities who tracked the call back to Jamaica. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when he entered the U.S., agents were able to arrest him. So a very, very interesting turn of events for that particular scammer. I'm sure he's going to jail for a number of years. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is pretty funny, though. Good. So um, in other news, today we have the official um, wedding, uh, wedding, the official funeral, my apologies, of Miss Simple McLaughlin, who's been laying in state. Mm-hmm. You guys might have seen um, yesterday that the flags were at half mast mm-hmm. throughout the day. And um, <clears throat> the service will be happening at the Emsley Memorial Church. Uh, today um, is declared a national day of mourning in the Cayman Islands in honor of uh, the passing of our national hero. So, um, you know, very sad day. And, um, you know, we again extend our condolences to her family. Well, she was an author. She was the first speaker of, um, you know, the Legislative Assembly and just has had a very long, uh, illustrious career and service to the community. And we'll all be doing a moment of silence at 9 a.m. this morning on the mm-hmm. radio station. So. Thank you very much. And the uh, official funeral is at 1 p.m. today. Yes, yeah. that's yeah. correct. Um, so okay, don't drive around that area if you don't have to to give you know mm-hmm. everyone exactly. Kind of, yeah. So this is Emsley Memorial, which is on the waterfront. I wonder are there any cruise ships in today, Blake? No, no, huh? Not good. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> not sure that that was planned, but that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, government has launched an education campaign on child abuse um, where they're trying to emphasize awareness, education, and understanding of issues related to safeguarding among the public um, and professionals. So we're actually going to be talking about this next week because uh, those working in the industry are saying that this is just a press release full of a lot of hot air and government hasn't actually done much of anything. Yikes. So we will certainly um, hear their concerns and um, look into it a bit more. So yeah. Dr. Uh, Devi Shetty, the world-renowned cardiac, cardiac surgeon, sorry, <laughs> mm-hmm. whose vision created Health City in the Cayman Islands, has said that he plans to further establish the internationally accredited specialty hospital as a leading medical education institution serving the Caribbean and countries in the Western Hemisphere. So some big plans um, as they continue to expand their reach in the community. As you guys know, they have a facility that is already underway, um, an expansion facility at Kimana Bay. And now uh, he's turning his focus to education and giving opportunities um, both to Caymanians and other people in the region to be, sorry, trained in the health profession. Awesome. So those are your news headlines for today. All right, have a great weekend, and you can catch Sandy uh, kicking off uh, her show on Bobo 89.1 FM in about two minutes here at 7.30, and uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. Okay, have a good one. All right, a segment. All right, folks, um, good morning to one, and good morning to all. How are you guys? I see y'all late to rise this morning, so let's uh, get all of our behind-the-scenes stuff done so that I don't forget anything. Ginger, beaver grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child. On the cold hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea. What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. Good morning, good morning, Cayman. Rise and shine. How are you guys doing? Uh, morning to everyone, all of our listeners on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk radio already, uh, month and a half in. 
well, actually, no, almost, almost uh, the 28th will be two months in. My goodness. Isn't it amazing how time flies? Um, one thing, you know, is as a kid, you know, when you're young, time seems to take forever. Remember when we were all waiting for Christmas to roll around? It was like, oh, my gosh, why is it taking so long, mommy or daddy or whoever you were asking for a Christmas present, Santa, whatever you believed at the time? It just seemed to take forever. And then as you get older, you appreciate a thing or two about time. And one of the lessons of time is that you never get it back. And number two, uh, it really does start to appear to speed up the older you get. Totally amazing. Uh, we're only here for a finite amount of time, folks. So we do the best that we can do. I've gotten feedback that the radio is sounding crisp and clear this morning. Thank you so much, Chuck. He's behind the scenes making sure that everything is working as it should be. Appreciate it, my dear. So who do we have locked on this fabulous Friday? We have Rita Buenos Dias. Uh, Rita always says good morning in Spanish. That's why I say that back to her because some of her radio listeners might be like, why is Sandy saying Buenos Dias? Um, so yes, Rita always says Buenos Dias. So Buenos Dias. Uh, we've got Irvlin joining us from Savannah, Newlands area. Good morning. Diamond Princess says it's a fantabulous Friday morning, everyone. And it is. Why not? We got a lot to be thankful for. Marshall joining us from North Carolina. Good morning. Wee Wee's got it locked here as well. KK says, uh, what's it you mentioned about the Caymanian individual in Cuba with the murder? No, that was Honduras. We can talk about that this morning. Uh, some days we have so many conversations that we need to have that we don't always get to them all. Um, so yes, thank you um, to KK for reminding us about that. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, such a sad state of affairs. But anyway, we'll get to it. We've got Chantel, uh, Charlotte, my apologies, who is joining us from Scotland. Good morning to you, my lovely Charlotte. Olivia is here. Uh, Juliet says, good morning, all. Sanya, hey, young lady, how are you? Um, she says, longest time I'm not on here as I leave home early. Well, Sanya, you know you can catch us on radio now too, right? 89.1 FM, Bobo. And I am really absolutely pleased at how many people are tuned in every single morning to Bobo. And I know that a lot of people are tuned in because everywhere I go, they're telling me. So I went to the pharmacy yesterday and a lovely lady who was giving me some advice about what uh, home treatments, if any, I could use for Jana's uh, mouth. She said, you know, I know all about it. I'm like, how do you know about it? She's like, I heard you on the radio. <laughs> so a uh, big shout out to the pharmacy staff there in Savannah. And uh, she said, continue what you're doing, which is just salt water, warm salt water. And uh, that's probably the best thing. Yeah. So um, she's she's coming along just fine. Um, no complaints from her. And so sometimes as parents, you know, we have to be careful that we don't over um, agitate a situation. You know, like when you see babies and kids fall, we respond worse than them. And a lot of times they're looking at us <clears throat> to monitor our response. And when our response is like, oh my God, you almost killed yourself. They're like, Wah! you know? So sometimes I was saying this to someone yesterday, sometimes you just laugh. Like you have to just control your emotions because kids know one thing and one thing they know is body language. So they will look at you to see what's going on. Um, so yes, just uh, laugh, say, get up, honey. You're good to go. Strong little thing. <laughs> and in your head, you're like, oh my God, how did that kid just survive that fall. But I tell you, babies are incredibly resilient and kids are very, very resilient. Um, is Bonnie joining us from East End? 
Uh, Roses uh, Beckfoot, good morning to you all the way from England. Wow, beautiful. Thank you so much for tuning in. Celine has got it locked. Chantel is also here. Carol also joining us from Jersey in the Channel Islands. Oh, Carol, thank you. Um, Carol recently moved back. Um, are you from Jersey, Carol? Is that home base for you? But Carol was here in the Cayman Islands for um, many, many years and uh, was always tuned into the show every morning. And she continues to tune in. Isn't that wonderful? So Bonnie, good morning to you. Um, KK says Savannah Pharmacy staff are amazing people. Absolutely. Um, they're the closest one to me. So a lot of times I got to jump in there for some advice. And they're always willing to give it and check things for you. And yes, they are wonderful. Uh, we've got a lot of pharmacies. Big shout out uh, to Charles Whitaker. Him and his wife own some pharmacies um, in town as well. And, um, you know, all of these pharmacies try to provide, I think, the best possible service. Uh, of course, HSA has got a pharmacy. And by the way, speaking of HSA's pharmacy, have you been to the new pharmacy? Um, it's fantastic. It, it really is amazing. Um, I've only been there once, so I can't comment too, too much on, on the speed quite yet. But <clears throat> the physical location, I think, is good. The um, the layout of the pharmacy is super easy and it's brand spanking new and everything is just really, really nice. And they seem to be pretty well organized. So I'll give you some feedback as I continue to use that facility a little bit more. Um, on what day was this little accident with Gianna yesterday? It was Thursday, so that would have been Wednesday. On Wednesday, when I went um, to deal with that situation, I actually went to the... Um, one at the pharmacy at Georgetown Hospital. So um, I'm trying to understand, are they going to keep both pharmacies? I do have some questions about that, but you know, we'll, we'll maybe get them on here to explain exactly what they're doing. But yeah, the new pharmacy is super, super nice. So Carol says she's not from Jersey, but she's working from there. Okay, nice. Michael Ventura watching us all the way from the Philippines. Good morning, Michael. By the way, uh, we have a greeting from our Filipino community here in the Cayman Islands. I keep forgetting to play it. Michael has just reminded me. Why don't we take this opportunity and listen to this wonderful greeting from our friends here in the Cayman Islands. Mga kabayan, nakatutok po kayo sa cold hard truth. Hatid ni Sandy Hill, ang nangungunang talk show sa Cayman. Ang boses ng masa. Isn't that the cutest little thing? Didn't understand a word myself, but I think he pretty much just said that, uh, you know, listen to, to Bobo 89.1, the cold hard truth. Louis, good morning, good morning, good morning. Jared is here. He says the HSA pharmacy is not too bad. No, man, they're, they're making some strides and some improvements. Um, I saw an interesting character walk into the pharmacy. You know, sometimes when you're in public spaces, People come in, um, they're not a breath of fresh air. That's not what they are, but they come in very loud into an environment that is usually uh, pretty quiet. And we had one of those characters. She's normally seen riding around the island on a bicycle. And uh, she came in smelling of something. I don't know if it was cigar smoke, cigarette smoke. It was not a pleasant odor in the pharmacy at all. And she's speaking loudly and where is everybody? I was like, oh, Jesus, please take the wheel. Oh, let me hurry up and get my prescription. I just want to go home. Um, you know, loud and boisterous and making their appearance known. And I'm like, sometimes silence is golden. 
As my daughter says at her school, silent fox. Yes, silent fox means close your lips. <laughs> the least you say sometimes, the better. And trust me, this is I'm saying this, and I'm in the talk business, and I know. Miss Joy, joining us from Texas, another Caymanian living abroad. Good morning, Brother Tommy. How are you? Robert's got it locked here as well. Let's get this train on the road. So I want to talk about politics. I feel like Fridays should be reserved for political chatter. Because sometimes it's so ridiculous, redonkulous, that, you know, you can't talk about it the rest of the week. So, you know, politics is always at play here um, in the Cayman Islands, I must tell you. I watch uh, the social media commentary and I keep my ears low to the ground. Uh, Irvlin says she cannot stand the loudness. No, I don't. I'm not. I'm not into it. People are often surprised, I think, um, when they see me in public that a lot of times I actually move very silently. Like I don't engage in a whole lot of conversations, although people will approach me and say, hey, Miss Sandy, I want you to bring up this topic and that topic. And, you know, but I'm not out there reaching for anything. I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> you know, I feel like people who do what this young lady was doing, you know, they, they just go into a situation at the top of their voice and you're not talking to everybody in the pharmacy. Everybody in the pharmacy doesn't need to hear you. Um, I feel like they need something. They, they, they needed a hug when they were a kid or something, a little bit of attention. Um, so um, thank you, Tommy. Wishing everybody a safe and happy weekend. So yes, politics is always at play here in the Cayman Islands. And you guys know here on Cayman Mall Road, we keep, our, we keep our ears low, low, low to the ground. We always know what's kind of going on. And uh, there's always interesting development. So you know, this government, the PAC government is a year in. I got to admit that I'm still waiting on some information from them so that we can do a review of some of their accomplishments in the past 12 months. Uh, they were a little bit late, I understand, on signing off on some things that I need to be able to give a more comprehensive, um, you know, analysis or commentary on it. And uh, yeah, so they, they, they need to speed it up a little bit, <laughs> you know. Uh, one thing I must say about Wayne Panton, his personality is um, very, very um, methodical. He, he's a person that believes in taking his time and uh, thinking about things, and he has a very calming personality. In politics, I think that's actually a good thing. Um, he's not easily swayed by any situation, Right. He just makes observations and he moves slowly in the sense that uh, he's not going to be reactive. I think that's actually really an important trait in leader, believe it or not. Some of us are a little bit too knee jerky and we make decisions and we blow like the wind. And a lot of politicians blow like the wind. So some of them are like, oh, my constituent said this. And it's like one constituent said something to you. And all of a sudden you change your opinion on major issues. and. Um, you're just like all over the place. Now, you know, we have a lot of new politicians as part of the PAC government in this batch. And I suppose there's both pros and cons to that. <clears throat> On the one hand, um, the lack of experience uh, is something that, you know, means that there's certain things that they will have to pick up on very, very quickly and they'll have to learn. I think the first year has been, from my observations and speaking to a lot of them, the first year has really been an amazing learning ground. And I suspect that some of them might be coming to the conclusion that politics isn't even for them. Hmm, nothing wrong with that. 
I mean, you don't have to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's a choice to run and to make yourself available for political office. And maybe at some point you realize that personality-wise, this isn't really what you're into. You don't like people ringing you at all hours of the night and day and, you know, all this kind of situation. People feel like they own you. Yesterday, I was saying to my girlfriend, um, she's a lawyer, and I said, you know, I am in such a different and unique position. Um, sometimes I myself wonder <laughs> what what exactly what I'm doing in the sense that um, people do have very, very easy access to me. Now, unlike a politician, you ain't rolling up in my house with your problems and begging for no money. Uh, I do maintain boundaries, right? So my home is my sanctuary and I don't invite people over to my house. So even when people say, oh, Miss Sandy, I got to meet with you. I got to talk to you. I said, Sir, surely this is a conversation that we can have on the phone or we can do a Zoom meeting if you need to see me or whatever, but you not going to be rolling up on me like that, right? Um, I have business meetings <laughs> that I schedule throughout the week with clients and others, um, you know, in an office environment. And I'm, I'm just very... Um, careful of people encroaching like on my personal space. Politicians don't necessarily have that luxury because the Caymanian community, unlike many other places in the world, we feel like we own our politicians. We have a very personal relationship with them. We call them by first name. Um, Wayne Panton, I can call him up and say, hey, Wayne, yada, 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 whatever. And so sometimes that leads to, I think, and this is historically what has happened uh, here in the Cayman Islands, you know, we have a very close relationship with our politicians. And sometimes that's not a good thing. Sometimes the politicians need to know how to um, distance themselves. And we, as electorate, I think also need to know how to respect their space. And that always does not happen. Now, on the other hand, I think there's some politicians who will use that uh, to their advantage because they know that the more likable they are and the more personable people see them, the more likely they are to garnish a vote. Uh, you know, politics 101. If people like you, they're going to vote for you, whether you're qualified or not. Hmm, isn't that amazing? Because we got a lot of people who ran for politics, both past and present, who are not qualified. Now, they might be quick learners or they're trying to learn on the job. But, you know, it is what it is, and um, the likability factor plays a very, very important role. So I do understand why politicians allow us, the electric, to often um, cross the line with them. But I don't know that it's always a healthy thing to do. So we got a lot of new politicians. I think some of them after this term might be like, mm, maybe, you know, if I'm smart, I um, save some money, open up a business. I do something else with my time because, you know. There's nothing wrong with being a one-hit wonder, uh, do it for four years, and then you walk away. However, my general observations have been that politicians hardly ever walk away. Ah, my goodness. Think of the few that have retired in you know, the years that, that you've been around um, or that I've been around. It takes a lot for them to retire. The few that do it um, are normally incredibly old and, you know, they start to think, right, I can't even keep up anymore. Um, that might be a reason to retire. Um, others know that they're getting voted out. So that happened in West Bay with Tara Rivers. She knew she wasn't going to win. So instead of, um, you know, <laughs> being defeated at the polls by God knows who, she figured, well, let me bow out gracefully. And she had a, there was a backdoor deal at play. The law firm said, honey, child, we don't want you dealing with financial services anymore, but we will take you. 
We'll give you a nice cushy job at Wonkers. You probably never have to worry about anything again because she's not a mover and a shaker in that sense of the word. Um, you know, we'll, we'll take care of you. And the chances are she's probably making just as much or more than what she was making as a minister of government. Those are the realities of the world. And you shuffle a few corporate papers. Um, you know, you help with, I don't know exactly what section of, of the law firm she's in. Um, and you just keep your head down. You don't make any waves. You don't do anything in the community and you're good. That's how those big law firms operate. Um, you know, I, I sit back and I watch some of the current MPs and I really do wonder based on the, the personality type that they have of not engaging people at all, if they will make it past a first term. Some of the first termers, I don't know. You can't reach them by phone. You message them. So there, there's a balance here, right? You don't want people encroaching on your space, your personal space, whatever, but you, you did make yourself available for public office. And when you make yourself available for public office, um, you have to ensure that, uh, you know, you are available to the public. So when you message them, you email them, you reach out for comments and no response, I got to admit that part of me anyway, I don't know about you guys, you can certainly call in at 936-2626. What do you think? How accessible are your elected officials? Are you happy with the type of performance that you've seen so far? Because some of them are non-responsive. And I think, have we not learned anything from other politicians? Have we not learned that when you are non-responsive, um, even if you are sitting in the government building, perhaps you're a minister or a consulate and you're doing a fantabulous job. In the words of Franz Manderson, no silent victories. So if the public does not know that you're doing a fantabulous job, I'm going to tell you straight up, they're going to be like, hmm, this person not doing nothing. Perception. And for most people, perception is reality, whether it's actually reality or not. So KK says they need to put a stop to placing family members in government agencies when they get in without the right procedures. That's very unfair. She goes on to say members who got fired from government agencies got a job back when MPs got in. This is a hot mess. Wow. Mm -mm -mm. Good morning, Don. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, I know of a couple instances that have made me raise my eyebrows. And again, it demonstrates a lack of um, political understanding that even if the person went through all the correct ropes, you know, perception is people are going to be like, you never had a government job before your sister got in or your wife got in or whatever. And so you should be mindful of um, close relatives. Now, you know, distance relative, you might not have any control of that, but I think close relatives, spouses and children, that sort of thing, you should be really, really mindful um, of what it is that they do. And some politicians say, well, I have no control over what my spouse does. But as a family, do you not have conversations? <laughs> you know, when you decided to run for politics, did you not sit down with your wife and maybe your children, depending on their age, and say, hey, I'm considering putting myself up for public office. And, um, you know, this is going to be a family affair. And so this means that I can't put you head of this department when I get in or put you in all these boards. I mean, there have been some appointments, I must admit, uh, KK, that really have been like, why would you do that? 
Now, you guys know um, that politicians get a monthly stipend. So let, let's talk about this. So it's it was originally, I think, under central government, and then they would give the MPs the money, and um, they would then turn around and they get $5,000 a month, and this is all in the law. They get $5,000 a month for their constituency office, or if they don't have the constituency office, they can still get that money for constituency matters. So give me one second here, because I did, I was trying to um, refresh my memory and all of this. So I did reach out to Parliament um, to get some, some correct information, right? So um, they get what's called a constituency office allowance, right? And that allowance is in the law. And it is um, $5,000 for either a constituency office, they, and they can use it as they see fit. So if they don't have an office, uh, they can receive the $5,000 for constituency matters. Mm -hmm. And then in addition to that, they actually get to hire um, constituency staff. Now, those individuals are not civil servants. And I think this is where sometimes it gets a little bit confusing because people think that they're civil servants when in fact they are not civil servants. Um, I don't suppose Alric is listening to the program. Alric would be able to tell me the legislation off the top of my head um, that actually uh, deals with this, uh, if I can get it. Uh, politicians and pay. Yeah, so it's in the law what they get for their pay and allowances, right? Um, and we're going to talk about that here in a second, because I think there's a few things that we need to be reminded of. So yes, they get um, the $5,000 constituency office for rent and utilities and whatever. If they don't have a constituency office, apparently they're still given that money um, to use um, as they see fit within their constituency. So part of when you go to them and you're begging for handouts, I suppose part of it comes from that. Um, and if they don't have an office, they're using some of those funds. But let me tell you something. There are people in this community who try to make themselves, uh, they try to avail themselves of so much of, of this slush fund, if you will, uh, that the politicians have to then dip into their own salaries to be able to help people in the community. And so what you find happening, and I know that this is happening now, and historically it has always happened in the Cayman Islands, uh, politicians get in there and they think, oh, I'm going to be making 8000 maybe $9,000 a month as a base salary. Uh, ministers make more, right? Then they find out that by the time they pay their few little bills and they help out in the community and they do all sorts of stuff, they're more broke than if they weren't even in politics. So it's a stark reality that when you're a politician, the people feel like they have um, access to you, not just like picking up the phone and calling you and messaging you about their issues and whatever, but there's an expectation that if they come knocking at your door and they need money, whether it's a legit need, diapers, formula, whatever, or just because, you know, they want to go buy some new shoes and they're going to lie to you about the electricity bill being shut off. Whatever it is, there is a understanding that you're going to pay that. And politicians feel a lot of pressure to do just that. So isn't it amazing that around election time, we talk about vote buying? 
But most of us will not recognize and have the conversation that it's happening, not just at election time. It is maybe amped up to a different level at election time. But throughout the entire four years, you guys, you, the voting public, are abusing and taking advantage of your elected officials. Now, here's the problem with that. Human beings being what they are, your elected officials are going to find a way to get that money back. You can believe that, right? And this is why we have issues with kickbacks politically. This is why we have issues with maybe some people trying to take backdoor deals and try to position themselves into other businesses and other things. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Good morning, Ms. Beulah. Good morning to Maria. Al says voting is a fool's game. <laughs> well, unfortunately, it's the only game right now to elect an official. And uh, Al also says that politicians should always remember that they are the employees. It's ironic how that works. Well, yes, they are here to serve the people. We are paying them to serve us. But the question is, how far do you go? So KK says they're only worried about their circle, but they fail to realize it took more than that circle to put them in. But I'm glad I don't need anything from any of them. 5000 Yeah. And you know what? KK, I agree with you. When you're in a position to not have to rely on a politician for anything, you're, you're good, right? You, you don't want to be having to beg a politician for anything because, you know, favors go both ways, child. And they have expectations of you. And a lot of people play this game. Oh, I'm, I'm going to vote for you or I voted for you. Politicians don't know if you voted for them or not. I mean, I guess you can be a vocal supporter. And you, if you have a large family, you're like, oh, I got all my family locked down. But when you go into that poll booth, um, that voting booth by yourself, you can vote for whoever you want. So it is a little bit of an interesting situation. Damien is asking if they have to show any receipts. No, because like I said, they can use it um, in any way that they wish. So back in, um, so let, let me just focus on these positions and I'm going to tell you why this has become a little bit topical, right? So these political positions are um, something that um, is nothing new. The way in which it's structured is a little bit different. So it fell under cabinet's office during the last election cycle. So these individuals who work in the constituency offices, uh, they actually get a salary and um, you know they're on a contract, so they're on a fixed term contract. I think it runs up to election day and then their, their contract ends and they are no longer employed. And what ends up happening is if their MP is not reelected to public office, they are immediately out of a job. Now you guys might remember this because we brought this up before where, um, you know, they're out of a job, they get no um, immediate salary, but the politicians have fixed it. So now, and when I say politicians, I wanna be very, very clear. The last government, the progressive government, changed the law so that they themselves can now get a severance package. Y'all remember this? We talked about this in January of uh, 2021. 
So the PAC, the progressive government, oh, why did they both pick P name governments? Oh, the progressive government has positioned themselves so that, and this impacts every elected official, obviously, so that when they decide to either not run for office or they get voted out, they are now entitled to severance pay of three months. Imagine that. Mm-mm-mm. January the 4th, 2021, we talked about this. You guys can go back and have a look at this conversation. So, um, example, Tara Rivers. She decided that she was not going to run again for public office. She got a severance package of three months. Mr. Ezard Miller got voted out of office. He got a severance package of three months. Full pay, three months. Mm, mm, mm. Now, if the progressive government had spent that sort of energy and time looking at the labor law and ensuring that the labor law was a bit more balanced in favor of the workers, the employees, I wouldn't really have much to complain about. I'm just saying. Right? Labor law, not where it should be. People complaining about all sorts of breaches and, and, you know, just weaknesses in the labor law. And yet their focus before they got out of office was to ensure that they got a salary increase. Now, I remember y'all were confused and you were trying to blame the uh, PAC government for it when in fact it was the progressive government that put it in place, but they didn't bother to put all the funding and budgeting in for it because they just thought, oh, we're going to get back in. Um, We'll be able to handle this without a problem. Hmm. So it's the Legislative Assembly Management Bill um, that the MPs, um, you know, gave themselves this raise under. I think now everything has had a slight change because we went from the Legislative Assembly to Parliament. So let me just see if I can... um, if I can find the new, I guess it would be, maybe it's the um, Parliament Management Act. I'll just confirm what it falls under, but it was the Legislative Assembly Management Law 2020 uh, is the legislation that I was just thinking of that sets out all of this. So yes, they do get a constituency allowance, and they also get the ability to um, hire paid staff, which are political appointments. Now, some people don't always get it, because I heard someone saying the other day, this person was actually a long-serving civil servant, and they said, well, oh, look at, you know, um, the premier hired Pilar Bush, and that, that position was designated for her, and there was no open recruitment. And I said, hold on a second. That's not a civil service job. Pilar Bush's position is a political appointment. So we have to make sure, folks, that uh, we understand the difference between the two. So the government is not permitted to interfere in any way, shape, or form, hiring, firing, promoting, whatever, with the civil service. That is the remit of the governor, who then delegates it to the deputy governor, who's France Manderson. And then obviously he's not sitting there hiring people individually. It trickles down to the chief officers and departments and the HR managers. Yes. Each government, elected government, has certain people politically that they can get. So these constituency office workers, let me tell you what their official title is. It is the, um, 
Mm-hmm. It is a C-O-A-A. I, I love when government officials use these initials. I'm like, what does that stand for again? I believe it's constituency office administrative assistant. I'm going to take a wild guess and say that that's what it is, right? So those individuals, again, are political appointments. So we had one recently, um, Mr. Austin Harris. So Austin is back in the game. I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but Austin is now working for, what's his name? Alden McLaughlin, former premier of the Cayman Islands. I'm going to talk about that specific situation here in a second. But that's the position in which he's in. Now, the salary for those individuals can vary. So Pilar Bush has been hired as a, her official title is chief of strategy in the office of the premier. She is roughly the equivalent of what, um, oh, what's his name now? Uh, Roy Tatum was for the former premier. So remember Roy worked in the premier's office. I can't quite recall what Roy's t- title was. Let me tell you if I can look it up. Oh, thank God for CMR's website because we have all kind of stuff here that's good information. So he was a political advisor, right? So that was his title. I remember we featured an article in April 2021 about how he got a almost 40% salary increase, which included a hardship allowance, which certainly made me pause. So um, he was making over $10,000 per month plus the hardship supplement. And um, then there are other people who, again, are political appointments. Some of them only God knows what they actually do. Some of them really do earn their keep. So Pilar Bush is working very, very closely in the premier's office, and she has come over um, as this, uh, you know, strategist to help him um, at, you know, sort of the higher level. He also has, for example, um, Nick DaCosta. Now, Nick, um, I can't remember exactly what Nick's title is, but I know um, Nick does a lot of stuff in relation to um, like social media management and, you know, assisting the premier, I think, with maybe some scheduling and some other things, right? So the premier requires a team of individuals, um, as all ministers do, and they have the civil servants who are there that, you know, they can, I guess, sort of give some some direction to. But, you know, their political, uh, you know, staff are the ones who will help them politically to kind of get stuff done, as well as things within government. So each each MP gets one of these individuals. So ministers, let me be very clear now. Ministers are entitled to um, two full-time and one part-time COAA. Members, so MPs, get one full-time and one part-time COAA. Mm -hmm. Salaries range from, they're on the M scale. Again, this is information that we've recently obtained. And the M scale means that at point one, they're making $3,651. And they can go all the way up to point 13, making $4,910. Now, I'm assuming that, um, you know, I'm assuming that I don't know how they decide where to put them on the scale. I don't know if if that is determined by the 
the actual MP or politician, if they say, oh, right, we should put them here. I don't know how that determination or how that decision really is made. Uh, that would be interesting. Or is it, is it the, um, cause you know, I don't think Pox would get involved in this. Cause again, this is, this is the political arm of things, not really the civil service per se. Um, so I have no clue who decides where they start on the scale. Do they actually look at a resume and say, right, you've got this amount of experience. So we think you should be here in the scale. That's an interesting question. Any politicians listening that can tell us? So let's see who we know. Uh, we have Moose, um, who works for Kenneth Bryan. So he is his COAA. Now, I don't know, because um, again, ministers get two full-time and one part-time. And this is a recent change as well that was made. And I don't know if that was under the, the progressive government or the PAC government. I think when it was changed to parliament, uh, maybe that's when that change happened. They got like an additional person, right? Um, we have, who else is there? Oh gosh, I'm trying to think. Some of them, you don't even know who they are. Um, obviously, um, Mr. Uh, Alden McLaughlin has just hired, um, uh -uh. Austin Harris into this position. So Austin has hit the ground running. He's doing, uh, I guess one of the things that he's doing is trying to help improve the image of the progressive government by giving them a platform. So every week, I think it's a weekly show, they're now sitting down with Austin and they're doing this talk show format where they pre-record it and then they air it. And um, I guess the idea is that they will help to uh, remain relevant, politically relevant, so that you think that they're still doing something. Because let us be very, very honest, since the election, a lot of you have been asking me, where are they? And people have been saying, Alden's hanging out at the farm. Um, you know, the, the uh, Mr. Roy McTaggart, every once in a while, he'll jump up and issue a statement against something the government is doing to try to remain relevant. But a lot of them are not even showing up to events. And I'm just like, wow, you're getting paid eight, $9,000 a month, even as a backbencher. And what do you have to do? <laughs> you're, you're not, you're not an, a, a um, member of the government, so you don't have a ministerial position. You're not a, um, a secretary, what's it called again? Um, parliamentary secretary. You know, so the least you could do is just show up and be present. Show up to, to you know, all scheduled hearings in parliament. Participate in the process. You still have people to represent although you're not part of the uh, ruling government. I think this is unfortunate when backbenchers do nothing. So this show idea is, is really, really interesting. We'll see how that pans out for them. So far, mm, it's not really getting the response. I mean, it's not like it's a hit or anything, right? So nobody's really paying attention. Uh, I saw maybe 68 views on social media. So, eh. Someone said the Honorable Roy McTaggart, I only saw him once in the previous term, just driving around. Now, the question is, how often do you expect to see your politicians? Because this is the thing. If you are a member of the government, you actually tend to be extremely busy. You do attend a lot of ribbon cutting and this function and that function. And, you know, there's a reason why they all get fat and put on a few pounds, because every single event they go to, it's like, here, have a sandwich. Uh, there's more food for you. And they just attend so much stuff. So do you expect to see 936-2626? Do you expect to see your politicians on a uh, regular basis? Do you expect them to come to your house? 
and sit down with you, you know, at the Domino's table, at your dining table? What are your expectations of your elected officials? So someone says they've been waiting to see Wayne Panta and they wish that uh, he would take his call. Hmm. Um, on that case, can you see any reason why the politicians should rent offices? Well, we know for, as a matter of fact, that um, some of them have never had an office. Uh, they're still getting the money, obviously. And... Um, you know, I don't really know. Uh, currently, take for example Alden. I mean, he has he has um, he has uh, Mr. Um, Austin Harris now, and he actually sent out a message. This was a little bit bizarre, right? When this situation happened with um, when the situation happened you know, around the 11th when we heard that Austin, I, I had heard about it before. I'd heard about it early in the month that he was going to be working in the office. So when the show kind of started, Alden actually sent out a message in his group. And I'm going to show you guys this message because it is a little bit bizarre and it only muddled the waters a little bit. So I'm not really sure what uh, Alden is trying to say. And maybe you guys can help me figure this out. But he sent out the following message, um, quite oddly enough. So, of course, the buzz was, oh, look, Austin's back in the game. He's going to be working uh, with um, Alden, right? And then Alden sent this message out, and he said, just to let folks know, I have recruited Mr. John Edward Ebanks, who is formerly supervisor of roads and laterally chairman. Laterally chairman? What the heck is laterally chairman? of the NRA board as my constituency assistant. With his knowledge, experience, and contacts, we should be able to get constituency issues such as the above ones sorted swiftly. John also lives in the Red Bay constituency. So this is bizarre because this message came out at a time uh, last week when everyone was talking about, oh, he's hired Austin Harris to work in his constituency office. And then this message came out. And I thought, well, which is it? Is it Austin Harris? Or is it John Edward Ebanks? Or is it both? And so that's why we sent through the question saying, well, how many people do they get to employ? So now we know that MPs get one full-time and one part-time. So maybe one of these individuals, I don't know if it's Austin, is part-time or whether it's Mr. John Edward Ebanks, who's part-time, who knows? But there you have it. They're both working um, you know, I don't think uh, Alden McLaughlin has said anything officially about um, Mr. Austin. But, you know, we did ask Austin what his position was, and he confirmed that he's the constituency office assistant. Hmm. So it's a little bit bizarre. When I saw this, I thought, is he denying that Austin is in the position? This is kind of like one of those biblical moments. Jesus is standing there and somebody is denying him. As they're, you know, no, we're not his disciple. Good morning, Emma. She says the recent election was very hard. I voted based on who had done the best, who had done the least dirt that I was aware of. Oh, Lord. Can I ask where you voted? Because I do know that um, for a lot of individuals, 
it really did come down to the lesser of the two evils. Isn't that crazy? Like you didn't really like any of them particularly well. You were just like, Lord, let me just pick who's not going to screw things up quite as bad. Mm -mm -mm. Uh, KK wants to hear about Honduras. We'll get here in a second. Um, Lucille says a very good morning to you and always the people back home. I'd like to thank all the nurses and doctors from Health City who are taking good care of Christine Mitchell. Um, also, Chris, get well soon. A co-worker, taxi drivers, love you all at home. I can hear and see what's going on. And I love your show. Thank you, Sandy. Like father, like daughter, uh, say and do not care. I'm guessing, Miss Lucille, you must have known my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, KK says that they should have, they should have caused, I'm sure some of that money is being spent elsewhere. So this was to Damien's question about whether or not they have to show any receipts. And I, I doubt that that's the case, you know. Now, what I understand happens with the constituency office people, they get paid directly. So it's not a situation where the MPs get the money any longer to pay them. They get paid directly from parliament. They also get benefits. So they're kind of in the sense of like the contract conditions, they're kind of quasi civil servants that they get full civil servant benefits. They get a pension just like civil servants. And then they get paid the salary um, just like a civil servant in the sense that nothing um, comes out of it. Emma says that we should be able to fire them just like any other employee. We hired them to do a job. And if they ain't doing their job, fire them. We have a handful of elected members with genuine commitment to their constituents, like 20 to 25 percent. The other I ain't even seen since election. Stop the effing mama and papa style voting or things will never change. We have a lot of people act according to who they're interacting with. Um, So some very interesting points here, Emma, that you bring up. I can sense your frustration, show. But yes, I mean, again, the question becomes, Emma, and I have to ask you quite seriously, how much of your politicians do you expect to see and where do you expect to see them at? Good morning, Brother Bishop, Hero Blair. Uh, Sadly, most of them don't even show up on social media. I mean, we are in 2022. The last election was a game changer in the sense that a lot of, um, you know, elected officials had one, one meeting, one political meeting, maybe two. And then the big thing at the end, right? Because they were easily accessed. You got WhatsApp, you can message them, you can call them. So the game has changed a little bit in terms of how you access your politicians. They're in your faces if they're on social media, if they're online, if they're on a show, if they're talking to you. Do you feel like that's enough? You ask them a question, you feel, okay, I'm satisfied that you answered the question and that you're doing a job. But some of them have completely disappeared, Emma, I feel you. And this is going to be um, to their own detriment. I'm just going to switch my headsets here. So they get elected. We've not heard any of them, not any of them, you know who you are, some of them. We've not heard a word from them since. And I sit back and I go, who is advising these people politically? I don't care if you're sitting in the government building, moving the world. If you're not talking to the people, 
about the world that you're moving, you might as well not be doing anything because the people do not know. The people want you to go on whatever platform, create your own. I don't care how you do it. I'm not saying you have to come on here, but you know, the people want that level of contact and communication. Some of y'all are going to be one hit wonders. And there are those of you, like Emma said, you only got in because it was the, the lesser of the two evils, so to speak. And so if you have a formidable opponent who runs against you in the next election, you might be in trouble. Let's talk about that concept for a second. Um, Magdalene says, remember, after one term in office that they get pension for life. I actually think it's two terms that they become pensionable at that level. But we can double check. I do believe it's two terms. So here is the, um, the odd thing about it, right? For the politicians that got in, there's only 19 members. We had a whole lot of other people who did not get it. Y'all remember? There was, what, 60-something people running? Where are they? <laughs> Have you ever wondered what happened to them? They've disappeared too. Some of them were involved in very close races, like mm, 20 votes, 20-something votes. You would think that if they were serious about serving the people and serious about a political career, that they would continue to be involved in the community and continue to be steadfast and continue to address the issues. You don't just jump up two months before an election and be like, oh, yes, I care about the people that came to islands. And here I am. Vote for me. Uh, here are my ideas and solutions. Where have you been for the past 3.75 years? You can continue to address the issues. You can continue to be involved. And the truth of the matter is, if you were genuine and sincere when you ran the first time, you would continue. Very few exceptions. Alric Lindsay, he continues to be involved in the Windsor Park community. He continues to be involved in a number of organizations that he was involved in before and during the election cycle. Who else? Mm -mm. Mm. I can't think of any. They've all fallen by the wayside. Hmm. Ow. Says government job uh, is to put policies in place for every citizen to grow. It's by design. Keep the poor and stupid. The capitalist way is to keep sucking from the bottom. If you at the mercy of government, there's no hope for you. Well, none of us should want to be at the mercy of the government. That should not be uh, the goal that we try to achieve in life. Miss Etta, good morning. She says, Miss Sandy, keep up the wonderful work. May your weekend be blessed. Thank you so much. Hey, Gabby. Gabby says they can make time if they really want to. Don't have to be every day, but they can make time. A community meeting, something. Aha. Thank you, Gabby. Gabby also says, and they have technology now. Zoom, radio, Facebook, etc. Yes. During the election, they were getting creative. Oh, let's have a Zoom meeting because of COVID. My apologies, right? Those things can continue. Have your town hall meetings. 
Have your, you know, do your, your Facebook lives. They've kind of fallen down. And I think in, in three years in the bit, they're going to really, really regret that. So Ms. Moya uh, says that Sabrina has set a good example of balancing her duties and still being involved in her constituency with her community events. This may be the way for all MPs to go. And what I will say in reference to that is it also helps when you're extremely organized and you have good staff. You see, now this is where that, that COAA position becomes really, really important. Don't hire those people. And I get their, I get it. They're political hires. But don't hire them just because that person supported you during the election and they were a good friend and they went out there and got you some votes. Hire people who can be useful to you. Who can actually talk to constituents. A lot of constituents might come to your MP's office or they're trying to reach you. In actuality, they don't really need to talk to you directly. They just need help with a the situation. They need advice. Sometimes the um, electorate wants you to fill out a form for them. Listen, they rely on politicians like you don't know. And if you have adequate staff who is capable and qualified to do all of those things, and that's why you should be putting these political appointees in, in a position, to take some of the weight off of your own shoulders. And if those people are actually capable of doing that, you'd be surprised how they make you shine. And that's really what's going on with Sabrina. She's got, it's a small team, but she has a good core team of individuals who are making her shine. Now, um, the premier also has a good team. I think his team's actually bigger, of course. And believe it or not, he has, for the most part, I think this is still true, he has continued to pay those people because, remember, he maintained his constituency office in Newlands um, with Miss Heather, even when he was not an MP, when he'd got voting out, voted out. And he maintained that for four years. Now, he's in a unique position to be able to do that. Most people, when you get voted out, well, dog and eat your supper. So he kept that constituency office open. A lot of people tell you, Newlands and Savannah, that that's what helped him get reelected because he was there. He didn't disappear. And so, you know, he's got Miss Debbie working in the office. He's got uh, Rhonda and others from Kelly Holdings. You can go in there and, and see these ladies on any given day, helping him put together his community events and organizing stuff. Because they can't do it alone. They do need good help. Emma says, even once a year at some impactful event, but not, uh, but no, they have evaporated. Damien says the real resurface in 2024. Probably 20, when, when's the election going to be? Is it going to be in 2025? Child, they, they resurfaced two months before the election. Fatima says, speak the truth, Sandra. Yes, big trouble, yet Caymanians get $6 minimum wage after raising their salary. Good morning, Mr. Anthony. Says, when will CMR, the cohort truth, be announcing the job reports in the government? We mentioned earlier that uh, we're actually waiting on some information from the elected government. I just messaged them last night into the wee hours of the morning saying, by the way, uh, when can I get this, please? I'm still waiting. And they said they're waiting on final sign-off or something. 
I was sending that message literally at, at 12.09 a.m. So we're still waiting because we want to be fair and balanced, right? Carmelie wants to know, where are you? I'm on the radio. <laughs> ah, what do you mean, where am I? I'm not quite sure I'm understanding that question. Uh, they need Caymanian's vote, but the developer's money. Mm -mm -mm. Aquaman hits the nail on the head. Aquaman 345 says communication is key. That's really what it boils down to. You cannot lose the line of communication with your constituents when you're an elected official. But you know, the truth of the matter is the Caymanian voters are so incredibly fickle. There's a reason why they do it because they can do it and they can get away with it. And y'all are so, you got them short-term memories. You got short-term Alzheimer's. You allow them to do it and you're still gonna vote them back in. Mm -mm -mm. Now that is the cold hard truth. How many times have we not seen it? They're not even in the constituency. They don't even have an office. They do nothing at the constituency level. I'm, I'm gonna tell you exactly who they are. There's a number of them. And you still reelect them. So they're like, well, why should I try any harder? <laughs> the people don't really care that I'm not in the constituency. They don't care that I'm not doing anything. They don't care that I'm not having any community meetings. They don't care that I won't even come on social media and talk to them because they're going to vote me back in because they have for the past 20 years. Think about it. What's the saying about uh, people treat you how you allow them to treat you? So Fatima says developers run this government. Well, I don't know about this government, but they have ran governments before. And, you know, I'm the first to tell you that developers have their place. None of you would probably be in the positions that you are now if there was no development on this island. So we don't need to paint this broad brush to be anti-progress and anti-development, but there has to be a balance in act. And developers should not be handed everything on a golden platter just because they request it. But you know how it works in terms of money. I was watching a really interesting, um, uh, I'll have to get, to get that video because it was super interesting about how things really work, uh, even in terms of developing neighborhoods, et cetera, in the United States of America. And it's developers. Look at this video. But it's an eye opener. How how development works, how neighborhoods are built out. It's it's a it's when you listen to other people explain the process, you go, uh-huh. It makes sense. You need developers not just for job creation, but creating neighborhoods and building homes. So when you hear uh, Minister and Deputy Premier, Chris Saunders talk about, you know, we have to work with, with private sector. Private sector already has the processes in place. Government is not meant to be a construction company. They shouldn't really be out there building homes. They will work with private sector contractors and others to get things done. They're the experts. 
And I think a lot of us um, don't have the most realistic understanding of how government even works. How communities are developed. So be careful when you say developers run the government, developers run the world, honey, if you want to know the truth. Money makes the world go around. You try living without it and then come and talk to me. You know, let's be realistic. Al is always talking about capitalism, but you show me without a dollar. Even Al is an artist. He's community minded. But guess what? If he not got no money, he can't buy no paint. He can't get no scrap metal. He can't do anything. Everyone needs money. That's just from, from, I don't know when it was created. 2000 BC or whatever. From the cavemen days, right? They were all trading little rocks and stuff to get stuff done. Aquaman says, some came out of beef and fruit cake and you got my vote. Good vibes. Elbow cough. <laughs> um, you know, again, I think that uh, when you can, because, um, yeah, you know, listen, Caymanians also have an expectation. You know, Caymanians are such funny people. Y'all talking about nobody, I'm not going to buy my vote. And yet, if somebody, if an MP doesn't come by your house with a fruitcake, you get all upset. Well, it's, it's and not that they didn't give me a fruitcake, you know, that at the point. The point is, it's the thought that counts. I'm like, why would you be offended if you don't need the damn fruitcake? If you're going to still tell them no, what, what do you mean it's the thought that counts? Oh, Christmas time, child, they never come by my house and bring my grandbaby and no toy, you know. You wait, though, you wait. I'm not going to forget them in 2025. I can vote them out. Right. And yet, uh, we don't want them vote buying. And you get upset if they don't come by your house Christmas time. Listen, when my MP comes by with his um, Christmas, his fruitcake, I say, listen, honey. I don't need no fruitcake. I don't even like fruitcake. Now, I think my husband eats it. I don't even know. I can't stand a fruitcake, to be honest. So he's like, give it to Marlon. I'm like, ugh. Marlon, Marlon, not really, he's not going to sweet tooth. He might like fruitcake, but he'll eat like a one piece, although they last forever. He's not going to eat it. So I I take it and I give it to somebody else if if I have to take it. Because a lot of times I'd be like, don't give it to me. I hate people give me stuff that I really don't need and don't want. During Christmas, every single event I went to, and I was appreciative. They're like, oh, take this toy for Gianna. I'm like, but geez, I'm peace. If you know how many toys this child has, she's an only child every birthday. Listen, I was just doing some little organizing yesterday in the closet, pulling up bags of stuff at the top of her closet, toys that she'd been given from years ago. And I'm like, I, I'm going to give these to some less fortunate children. Of course, you know, when her little eyes see them, oh, I didn't know I had this. Can I play with this? I'm like, you didn't know you had it till two seconds ago. There, there is such a thing as, you know, I don't need it. Everybody's like, give her this little stuffed animal. I'm like, Lord, have mercy. That's one more thing in that playroom that's going to simply drive me crazy. So sometimes we... As the voters need to be gracious enough to say thank you, but no thank you. Give it to, there are children in need. There are children who at Christmas time will get nothing. Save that extra toy for them. 
you know, let them enjoy a really nice Christmas. Fatima's having a laugh. Fatima says a lot of us vote for chicken leg and three, four, five beer. No, sir. Selling yourself so cheaply. Dana, good morning. She says, good morning, Miss Sandra. Once again, you hit the nail squarely on the head. We have a, this is a symbiotic relationship, right? So we're doing a little bit of a dance with our elected officials. And I don't know who the leader of the dance is. I don't know who's taking the lead. But I think that the voters should recognize their power. But with power comes responsibility. So a lot of you all need to really be cognizant and conscious of what your expectations are first and foremost. I want my elected officials to create policies and systems that is gonna make this Cayman Islands the best place in the world to live, not just for me, but for all of my Caymanian brothers and sisters and the people who choose to live respectfully and to make this their home, to live here among us. We all want this to be the best place for all of us. That's what we should want. I don't need anything personally. I just need the opportunities to be there. I need government officials who are not going to put roadblocks in people's way because they don't like them. You know, that's why I couldn't support the last government because they were all about, okay, we've got a few little friends in the friendship circle. Anybody else is going to be excluded and not just excluded, but they're going to purposely put things in your way to stop you from trying to make an honest living and trying to do a good job. Now, to me, that takes things to a different level. That's a different type of politics that we don't need in this country. And I experienced that firsthand with the progressive government. I think that that's unfortunate, even in the space of media. They were the ones directing GIS. Oh, don't give her media pass because we don't consider her media. Meanwhile, I got a business license that says I'm media. <laughs> There's no criteria in the Cayman Islands for, that, for anybody to define what I needed to do other than that to become media. But because they don't like you, they're going to say, well, only give her the press releases we want her to have. But when it comes to events, nope, we're not going to invite her to this event. We don't, want, we don't want her to cover it, et cetera, et cetera. And despite their best, they still couldn't stop the train. But you see, that type of politics, that's nasty, right? That's not what you do in a community. If you're the premier of the country, if you run the country, you should be fair and balanced in your approach. Even now, this present government, you know, some of them is difficult to, to get on here. I got to tell you the truth. It's like pulling, pulling teeth. They've been invited time and time again. They, they're just not coming. I'm like, well, nothing I can do about it. I'm giving you the opportunity. And if you don't want to talk to the people, then that's on you. But you know, competitors, the compass runs to the premier. Oh, you guys be giving Sandy stories and this, not. And the premier's like, no, we don't. We don't, we, we sit here baffled at her sources just like you. So people believe that this Pat government is giving CMR, I wish, because there are a couple of things I need to know. But that's not how it works. The difference is their approach is a more fair and balanced approach. So if we ask them a question, they may say yes, no, or reach out to the, the ministry, reach out to the chief officer. 
at least we're going to get a response in some fashion. It's not necessarily information. So it's not about having, uh, you know, I don't know if I want to say more access because we do have access to them in the sense that they're actually going to respond. But it's not like an inside track. It's just that they're actually just being more fair and balanced. And there are ministers who have been on the Compass platform more than they've ever been on CMR of this current government. And there's, listen, if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. Now, politically, there are people out there who have an agenda already from now trying to head into the next election. So they know that 2025, there's going to be a lot of players. And I suppose in the last election, for the first time, media was actually a player in the election because we were here informing the people, giving you guys information, giving my opinion on certain candidates. Now, anybody could come on and advertise and come on as a candidate, but y'all know when we start discussing the topics, you got nothing but the cold hard truth. And I would be like, mm, I don't know about this person, their track record. We got to look at the track record. And a lot of people didn't like that, but they say that, you know, we kind of shaked and moved things up in the election a little bit. So in the next election, there are people who believe that they can duplicate that very, very easily. And they're already trying to set up. I don't even know what they are because they're not really media houses, but they're trying to set up something uh, similar. So they're trying to have a social media presence. They're trying to have followers so that they can live stream political meetings and live stream events and hopefully have people watching it. It's going to be a very, very interesting time between now and then. But you see, even us, in terms of what we do, we're not sitting back waiting until two months before 2025 to talk to you guys about the election process and about your representatives. This should be something we do on a regular basis. Hence why I started thinking Friday is the perfect opportunity to be sipping on some hot tea here and just talk about politics a little bit. So Damon says, so on top of them getting concessions, uh, that is many Kim, that is many Caymanians can't afford. They get to run NAU for help and more money from government office coffers. Then more crime, more police, more incarcerated, more costs again. Mm-hmm. Um, who who who's they? I'm a little bit confused when you say they are get to run NAU for help. Who's they, Damien? Um, Miss Bonnie says, no comment on this topic. What is happening now has been happening from the late 70s. Yeah, this is nothing new. I'm not telling y'all anything new. Um, really, we're just discussing it. I mean, y'all been around the block longer than me. Y'all should know what I'm saying is the truth. <laughs> Debbie says, Sandy, you just made me spill my tea from laughing so much. Oh, Lord, don't burn yourself now. <laughs> So Al says, strange how every four years, some politicians are voted out based on not doing anything. For the less fortunate, they keep voting them in with the same mindset. That's what I mean by saying voting is a fool's game. If you don't vote, um, any other fool will vote them in. Yes, well, you have to vote, Al. That's just it, right? And uh, like I said, sometimes the choices are not all that interesting. Like you got to just pick (sighs) one or the other. 
Damien says, yeah, short-term memory, next fruit cake or turkey came around, or even just a corned beef sandwich at the rally time. Child, people, you can buy them for their belly. That's for sure. Uh, even when they bring around the turkeys, I'd be turning them down too. I don't want a frozen turkey, child. I'm not cooking that thing. I'm like, no, I'm not going to space in my, in my small little freezer. You keep it. Give it to somebody else who needs it. Emma says, run down the road of construction and tell us who's building all of these new commercial buildings. Are they, are these people aware of something the regular public member is not? How far down the lane of middle-class elimination are we? And another question I'd like to answer. Well, Emma, in relation to that question, I must tell you that behind the scenes, um, I am in the process of doing a little bit of research. So bear with me because I don't profess to be an expert on a lot of different things, right? I believe that honestly, um, that I learn and I speak to the experts and they're the ones who can guide me on certain things. So when it comes to um, development, my big question, I have reached out to developers on island, is, is the bubble going to burst for Cayman, for the housing market, and for development. I am waiting. I'm supposed to have a meeting. I thought we were going to do it this week, but I am waiting for, um, you know, certain meetings to happen where I can learn a little bit and get a little bit of a different perspective from people who are in the industry. And then we're going to couple that with what we think we know. Because again, we're not, we're not experts. I'm not a developer, right? I don't have the inside track, but I want to talk to people who are and see what they say about the cost of construction, which has gone up astronomically since COVID and the war doesn't help. Um, you know, all these things really, um, folks, add to the fullness of the conversation that we need to be having. So the, the serious thing about it is that there are world events that are happening, even as I sit here and talk about politics, Cayman is not an island unto itself. So there's a shortage right now of uh, baby formula. Yes. There is, uh, India has decided to stop exporting wheat. Say what? Yeah, that's a thing. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this. Because this is a very, very interesting story. And uh, in terms of the, the baby shortage, by the way, the um, plant that they've shut down has reopened. I want to play something for you guys. Because this was one of those stories that as I was listening to it, I thought, how did, how did this even happen? It is incredibly bizarre that um, the baby formula shortage happened at all. The FDA has said they're working on it. They've got a solution. But even that was like, how? I, I didn't get it. And so I had to do a little bit of research. And then I discovered that, wow, you mean to tell me that uh, four companies in the U.S. control something like 98% of the baby formula that is produced in that country? Mm -mm -mm. 
how is that even possible? The more you learn and the more you know, the more you grow, trust me. Because essentially that's, that's a monopoly. And so you had one of those four um, manufacturers being shut down by the FDA for security concerns. And that then led to this shortage. So one out of four was impacted by a shutdown because they had to clean their act up quite literally. And that led to a baby formula shortage. Well, thank God the fallout to Cayman wasn't severe in any way. Our local companies, I spoke to Mr. Foster from the Foster's group, and he said, listen, so far we're okay. We put in additional orders. You know, sometimes they don't even know how soon the orders will be coming in. But they, just as a backup contingency plan, they decided to go ahead and order some extra. Saw an individual on Facebook um, show a picture of women. Um, I think this was in, uh, it looked like it could be the Philippines or something, right? And the um, the women were there uh, breastfeeding their babies. And the comment was like, you know, look at this. Um, there are those who breastfeed and there are those who don't. But um, who who's in a better position now or something like that? I want to be really, really careful about this because at the end of the day, folks, um, breastfeeding can be a choice. And at the same time, there are people who don't have a choice. There are people who cannot produce milk for a number of different reasons. So I don't want to judge any woman's situation. We all know that breastfeeding is the best possible option. We rely on imported goods into the Cayman Islands. We can't sustain anybody here with local farming. It's not at that scale. I think food security is a big issue. A lot of people are talking about it these days. Um, you know, we have to think about options because more and more we're recognizing that the bigger the world gets, and in some senses, the smaller the world gets, it's so much easier in 2022 to get goods from overseas, but we've become completely reliant on goods from overseas. And so that means that if something happens in the chain supply of those goods, we're going to have a problem. Hmm. Isn't that something? And that problem can mean you might have no formula for your baby. You might not be able to feed your baby. So I'm not here to judge women who are unable to um, feed a child up until the age of three. I hear some of y'all talking about, oh, I fed my baby until he was five years old and, and chomping on my nipples. I was like, oh, cry. We know breastfeeding is best if you can do it. Everybody knows that. But sometimes you can't always do it. You know? It's amazing when men, I think, in particular, want to comment on um, a woman's ability to do things like breastfeed or have babies and stuff. And I'm just like, yes, you would know because you've done it. (laughs) 
you're definitely the expert on this situation. I want you guys to listen to this interview. This is an NPR interview. And they were actually interviewing the head of the um, FDA. And this explains essentially how they got, where they got with the breast uh, formula situation. It's educational and it's informative. And there's also a bit of a cautionary tale in this, even for us as we sit back and we watch these world events. How many of you knew this morning that India has stopped the export of wheat? What does that mean for us? You, you do know that wheat is used for everything, from bread to crackers to like everything. Right? So Magdalene says breast is best. Um, did not do formula for my children, six months exclusive, then onto pot food. Has nothing to do with the size of the breast either. Magdalene, consider yourself fortunate because there are some women who are unable to do it, like I said, for a variety of different reasons. Listen to this. Just queuing it up. Give me one quick second here. I did see some other comments. Let me just read a few comments while we're waiting on that. Someone says, um, um, thanks, uh, love you. Wasn't John Ebanks fired from the Rhodes Board? Questionable reason. They won't even have public meetings to tell the people of upcoming legislation. Here's one for you. Read the disappearance of the candidates. In the early days, the main employment uh, for the men was a seaman with national bulk carriers. Whenever some of the seamen were fired or blackballed, they ended up in the second main source of employment, the police service. Oh Lord. Okay. <laughs> Redevelopment. Can you find out why the work was stopped yesterday on the new hotel that is being built on Goring Avenue? Hmm. Okay. Um, I don't know anything about that. So at nine o'clock this morning, we're gonna observe uh, one moment of silence in honor of the um, Honorable Sybil Ione McLaughlin. Um, someone said, well, if you sell your vote for Turkey, then you, you deserve to be ruled by a Turkey. All right, folks, let's listen to this paper formula interview and then uh, this should time where very well close to the nine o'clock hour. Many American parents are living a nightmare right now. A nationwide shortage of baby formula means they literally cannot feed their infants. How could this happen? Part of it has to do with the fact that nearly the entire U.S. infant formula market is controlled by a handful of companies. And one of them, Abbott Nutrition, the maker of Similac, had to stop production a few months ago under an order of the Food and Drug Administration. It's doing a massive product recall because of a bacterial contamination at the Michigan plant. To help us understand everything happening right now, we have called on FDA Commissioner Dr. Robert Califf. Commissioner, welcome to the program. Uh, good to be here. I'm glad I could be here with you. You know this. Right now, there are parents listening to this conversation, and they want to know how in the year 2022 in the United States, there is not enough baby formula for them to feed their children. 
What can you tell them? Well, first of all, I want to reassure all Americans that we at FDA are very concerned about this and doing everything we can, working 24 by 7 to um, get things righted. It is a complicated situation that we can break into parts, and I'm glad to discuss with you so that people can understand it. But I'll also point out that we're committed that parents should be able to get formula for their uh, infants. We know how desperate parents can be for this fundamental need, but we are committed uh, to make sure that everyone does have formula uh, now and ongoing. So how's that going to happen? I mean, the FDA ordered the shutdown of this Abbott plant over three months ago. Why isn't it back online yet? Well, you know, when you, it, it's a very delicate thing to shut down a plant for the reason that we're now seeing. If it's a major manufacturer, then that can produce supply chain problems and shortages in particular areas. And then when there is a problem in a plant, to the extent that we saw, multiple measures need to be taken to make sure that the formula that's being made is safe and also has all the constituents. We're working closely with Abbott on this and would expect to have a path forward announced really within the next very short period of time. What does that mean, short period of time? I mean, when you're talking about, you know, some families are are just day by day driving many hours to try to find formula for their children. Uh, I really mean within uh, a day or days, um, just making sure we got everything right so that when the plant does reopen, um, that the product that's being made is safe for families. But I also want to emphasize that there is enough formula to go around right now. It's just that uh, we don't have the right formula in the right place in circumstances that um, uh, the news has been reporting on appropriately. So a tremendous amount of work is going in to make sure the distribution systems are moving the product to the place where it's needed. Are we living through the consequences of the reality that just four companies in this country control nearly 90% of the infant formula supply in the U.S.? I mean, how could something as critical as baby formula be made so vulnerable this way? Well, you know, I learned a lot about this right before becoming commissioner. I was on a supply chain committee of the National Academy of Medicine. And I say this is a case in many industries. And when an industry is less diversified, then you have less resilience in the system. That is, uh, as long as everything's normal, it works great. Then when something goes wrong, it's very difficult to compensate uh, for it. This will be the subject of a lot of attention by Congress, as you might imagine. We have our budget hearings this week. Um, we're very interested in uh, getting this right going forward. Can you quantify the shortage for me? Well, there's a number called the percent of um, stock on the shelves. Right now, that's about 80%, which is down about 10% from what it was before the recall. So while this is a real problem, particularly in certain areas, the overall amount of stock is not as low as it might appear. Nevertheless, we're going to work night and day until we get it back up to normal levels. Though I do need to follow, is it true that about half of the total infant formula purchased in America is done so by low-income benefit recipients of the WIC program for women, infants, and children? That's correct. This is really an essential product for uh, low-income families and their children. Um, and so we are going to work night and day to get this right. Dr. Califf, thank you. Thank you. 
What a hot mess. So um, the Abbott plant in Michigan has reopened and the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has reached some sort of an agreement with them. They're the country's biggest formula maker to restart production. They've also allowed for the import of European formula. So again, I want to be very, very clear when it comes to chain supply issues. The United States of America is a big country. If they can have a supply chain crisis, not just with baby formula, but this is a big one that was topical this past week, where now they're having to turn to Europe to try to bring in formula from Europe, we need to start thinking about, wow, who are our suppliers? And when they start to have issues, primarily we're getting stuff from uh, the U.S., but we saw during COVID, remember Mr. Woody Foster came in the program, he said they are actively and constantly looking at other sources, whether it's Latin America, South America, Mexico, they're all over the place trying to see how they can supplement what we receive here on our grocery shelves just to make sure that we don't fall into any major issues. Uh Babies are in the U.S. at risk at the moment. So again, not everyone has the luxury of being able to breastfeed. This is nothing that should be uh, laughed about because many babies need formula in order to survive and thrive. And it contains all the nutrients in the right quantities to meet an infant's health and developmental needs. Some parents have started to water down commercial formula, which is a very dangerous thing to do. That can leave a baby malnourished. Pediatricians are also warning parents not to make homemade formula. So the plant was closed, this Michigan plant uh, was closed in February after contamination of a deadly bacteria was found. Several babies who were drinking the formula got sick and two babies actually died. Of course, the company claims that there's no evidence that its product was the cause. Hmm. So, you know, the uh, President Biden and his administration is obviously having to look at this situation very, very carefully. And it's not a good look on them. Uh, New York Times headline, White House struggles to explain baby formula production plan. So just because the plant has reopened, it doesn't mean that the shortage has disappeared. They're expecting the shortage to continue at least into the next month or so. Mm-mm-mm. Listen to this. Administration officials struggled to explain how Mr. Biden's decision to invoke a Cold War era statute will help alleviate the shortage of baby formula that has stressed families across the nation and led to heartbreaking reports of infants being sent to the hospital for lack of food. So he um, authorized some sort of a Defense Production Act in an effort to ensure formula manufacturers had access to the ingredients and materials that they need to ramp up production. And people are saying, um, in practical terms, how is this actually going to help? What a mess. 
So good morning, Andre. Andre says babies need nothing more than breast milk. Um, Andre, I know that that is the ideal position, but there are a lot of people who cannot produce breast milk. And here's the thing. If you have a three-month-old, and unfortunately you were not able to breast milk, uh, breastfeed that child, and you've been giving that child formula, what are you going to do? You can't just all of a sudden start producing breast milk at three months if you don't have any. So again, you know, I know that we want to tell women how their bodies work <laughs> and all that good stuff, but um, you have to understand that there's some logistical things uh, that, you know, are happening here that you just can't do anything about. And so if a child needs breast, if a child needs formula, a child needs formula. Okay, KK wants to talk about Honduras. All right, KK, let's do it. Um, Magdalene says, Cal may have to do some cargo flights to South America and other Caribbean nations. Uh, Denver says, amid upcoming American recession. Andre says, get breast milk from another lactating mother or substitute with hemp milk. Um, again, hemp milk is not the same thing. Formula isn't just milk. <laughs> I hope y'all know this, right? It actually has um, things in it that offer a baby uh, what they need nutritionally. Uh, some people believe in getting breast milk from others. And I must tell you that um, whilst this has been a practice, uh, you know, that has been used before. I mean, in slavery days, a lot of those women didn't breastfeed their own babies. They made the slaves do it. Um, but I think there can be some dangers getting breast milk from other people. You just have to be careful of that. And again, there are a lot of people who cannot produce enough milk for themselves, much less others. So that may or may not be um, a viable solution. I mean, I don't really know. And people still feel a little bit weird about sharing breast milk. <laughs> I mean, if that parent has something that can be passed on to your child. So, you know, you, you better uh, make sure you get a, a clean bill of health and make them test for everything under the sun before you um, decide to do that. I'm going to share an article from 2017 about uh, breast is best, which is something that we have um, been campaigning around. I think you might want to read this. So, you know, you just got to make sure that a baby's getting the nutrition that they need. And sometimes that has to come from a formula. All right. Have a look at this article, Andre. Uh, let's move on then to, um, oh, my goodness. We missed the moment of silence. Oh, gosh. Nine o'clock. Let's do it now. One minute of silence in honor of the Honorable uh, Sybil McLaughlin, Cayman's second national hero.
All right, folks. Um, again, a moment of silence. We we're supposed to do it right at nine o'clock. And of course, we kind of missed that. But uh, hopefully a lot of you were paying attention. And Sandy, it's nine o'clock. Stop talking. Okay. Um, the official program is out, by the way. Funeral services at one o'clock. We'll live stream it here on CMR. So do check it out on our um, social media channels. Um, right. Give me one quick second. Okay, so um, I just got the official program. I'll see if I can post it up. It's a PDF, so sometimes PDFs are a little bit tricky. All right, KK wants to talk about um, the murder in Honduras. Well, here's what we know. A Caymanian, a 19-year-old Caymanian kid, I guess he has um, connections to Honduras, uh, went he lives in Saiba, apparently. Um, there is a guy from Honduras, Jamaica, and where's the other one from? Cayman. And so they were alleged to be involved in a um, in a, a taxi driver being murdered. So we don't know a whole lot except that they were arrested. And um, they, you know, are being charged with this murder. Friday the 13th is when the robbery and murder took place in La Saiba, Honduras. A lot of you saw the photos of them and you're wondering, why are their hands in bags? Like they had their hands literally in a, um, like almost like brown envelopes. And so apparently they do that in order to preserve any, um, what would you call it, residue from the gun to see who may have actually pulled the trigger. Now, I don't know if in Honduras it actually makes a difference. Maybe it does. Maybe that person will get more time. In a lot of jurisdictions, so this is them with their hands in, in the little bags, very rudimentary way of doing it, to be honest. In a lot of jurisdictions, um, it doesn't matter if you are, if you participate in the commission of any crime that leads to the murder of someone, you're actually charged with that murder as well. That's how it works in the U.S. and in other jurisdictions. So you're going to get the same sentence and you're going to fall just as if you had pulled the trigger. So no, um, KK, we've not really heard anything further on this. Uh, other than the initial arrest, someone had mentioned that they heard something um, about the um, Jamaican fellow being shot by the authorities in Honduras. But again, you know, this is not something that we got any official confirmation on. So I guess we'll wait to see, you know, what else pops up. But here's a video that was played of them being hauled off, uh, chained together in handcuffs. That's a Jamaican fellow in the middle complaining about the handcuffs are going to cut off his hands. Okay. 
and there's the 19 year old on the uh, on the the left Caymanian they say uh, Jaden Woodman Webster um, the Honduran guy's in the red shirt 41 year old and a Jamaican guy who's 25 years old all three are suspects uh, who were said to have carried out a murder in La Isla neighborhood and um, they were arrested reportedly minutes after the crime was reported because they were attempting to escape in the car of the victim and uh, they caught them a few blocks away from where he was killed. So they seized both the murder weapon and the vehicle. And one thing about Honduras, I must tell you, they, they do things uh, very, very interesting in a way because they put up their, um, when they arrest people for murders and whatever else, they put them up for the public to see. So they actually, like the media, the second they arrest you, wouldn't it be interesting if Kima did this? They parade you in front of, um, you know, they parade you in front of the media and they will have you take pictures and the works so that you can see it. Huh. It's pretty interesting. They do it with all sorts of criminals. So I don't know what more we can tell you, um, KK, except, you know, it happened. And um, I guess we will await the results. It seems like a pretty open and shut case in the sense that they were caught almost immediately. They caught the weapons on them. And, um, you know, it just happened very, very uh, quickly. So sometimes your hope of getting away with a real crime like this is going to be little to none because... Um, thankfully, some mistakes must have been made and they were able to nab them immediately. Like I said, someone sent us something saying that the Jamaican fellow was shot, but I haven't actually seen that in any independent, independent media sources. So I can't say if that is the case or not. But such a sad thing, 19 years old. And believe me when I tell you, I suppose at the end of the day, I don't have to tell any of you that a prison in Honduras will not be northward. Mm, mm, mm. What a thing. Poor little kid. Look, I mean, look at, look at the body language of him here uh, walking, right? He looks like a kid. Look at him. Poor thing. Except he just took a man's life. So now you're, you're an adult. Mm. The poor Jimmy can't tell my dick and cut off his hand with the with the handcuffs. Um not gonna be the least of his worries. He better be happy if they don't cut something else off in prison in Honduras. Um what can you say? I don't know. Consequences, folks. And you know, there was a time when Caymanians could go almost anywhere in the world. And we were known for being law-abiding citizens. And, you know, I remember many, many years ago, I was going into Miami and they were um, border control, uh, immigration, actually customs, was um, training someone. And they said, oh, this is, they're coming in. 
this is Cayman Airways. They're coming into the Cayman Islands. He says, oh, yeah, we don't have to worry about them. They're just here to shop. And I was like, that's right, honey. Let me move on with my empty suitcases. But boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, a lot has changed since then, right? Hmm. Not what it is anymore. So unfortunately, um, we don't have that reputation. We have a reputation just like everybody else in the world. Uh, some of us have made it bad for everyone. Breaking laws and robbing people, killing people, just like anywhere else in the world. I remember years ago when there was a case, I uh, remember some Caymanians were involved in drug um, smuggling and they'd put it in the baby's diapers. I actually knew one of those people and I thought, oh my God, these people are literally ruining our reputation. And for what? To get a quick buck off of drug money? So, you know, we, we, we get treated just like everybody else now. Most unfortunate. So Fatima says, I hear Jade is the brother to Miss Kiman, Miss Woodman Bodden. I don't know. I have no idea who he is. So Denny says, are they criminals or suspects? Well, legally they're suspects, but in the mind of everybody else, they're criminals. Uh, Damien says that they also found six bullets or casings on them. KK mm -mm -mm. says, not a real place to commit anything. Sad, sad, sad. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, there, there's there's like, you know, jail in Cayman where you're going to get three square meals a day and you're going to be relatively safe. And then there are places... Latin America, South America, Central America, even in the U.S., if you go to a hardcore prison, um, you kind of don't want to go to jail there. They're, they're not the places, those jails are not fun. They don't really care too much about human rights and fractions. So 936, folks, 2626 is the telephone number. Um, so, yeah, not a, not a good look. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who this young man is, to be honest. I have no clue. But um, he's somehow connected to Cayman, a Webster. Huh, what a hot mess. Well, uh, someone else is asking if they're going to, if will he be able to come back? I mean, I, I don't know. Anybody here familiar with what sort of sentence he's probably looking at for murder in Honduras? Uh, is that a life sentence? Is that a, you know, death sentence? What, what are they going to do in Honduras? I don't know. I'm no expert, folks, on Honduras uh, criminal law. So I cannot tell you um, what that is. I'm just um, having a look here um, on a Honduras news site to see if there's been any further updates. Uh, yeah, but their their police are very um, trust me they they make sure you you make front page news when they arrest you. Um, two new police captured in last hours, says this one from the 16th child. There they go, parading them. There's a woman. And one of the heads of one of the drug cartels operating at the level of Central America, Mexicanism. Yeah, child, they, um, and, you know, a lot of their police and their, their uh, military operatives there, they oftentimes hide their faces to protect themselves and their family members. 
Um, but when it comes to the criminals, they're going to make sure that the criminals are paraded all over the place. And something might be, maybe that is a formula. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, you know, as soon as we know anything more, we will certainly um, inform you guys and let you know. But that's all we know for now. I guess they'll go through the process. You know, Caymanians, when we have family members that are arrested abroad, um, a lot of times um, we think that we can get them out of situations with a little bit of money um, and we try to interfere with justice overseas. And a lot of the experiences that I've seen from afar is that that just doesn't work, you know, um, and they're, they're going to go to jail and they're going to spend some time in jail. So it is what it is, folks. You do the crime, you do the time. All right, KK, um, evidence. Yes, that's why they do that. Emma says, um, I would also like to know how much it costs government to do the most recent census because a guy asked me like six questions over the phone. That was it. I was like, WTF just happened there. When I did that, I had like a book of questions. Hmm. I'm surprised you only had six questions because they came to my residence and it was a lot of questions. Uh, yeah, I was like, y'all done yet? <laughs> Good morning to Mr. Bush, uh, Mr. William McKeever Bush, um, Speaker of the House and MP. He says, morning, Sandy. Very interesting points we made this morning, some of which I can agree with. One thing is that cabinet has GIS that's supposed to be there to get the members of cabinet info um, out and uh, must be responsive to those kinds of needs. Other members of parliament have to pay uh, to some media outlets if they can trust them to get at our information. I use my Facebook and also a little bit of neighborhood chats uh, if the person in charge will allow me to do so for certain information. I also use church chats for certain information. So that's an interesting comment, uh, Mr. Bush. Thank you for sharing it. Um, I think th this is what I would say to that. Y yes, GIS has a role, and I get it that when it comes to official government business, uh, they that's their remit. But what I was actually speaking about this morning isn't the government arm of things. So I get that they've got chief officers and GIS and a communications team, and they do all of the official government releases. I'm talking about just from constituency perspective. I think every single MP has to have a communication plan about how to disseminate that information to the public. Um, some people argue that GIS, you know, they do an okay job, um, you know, but, uh, you know, sometimes they send out a press release and people don't even pay no mind because it's like very luck, lackluster. Uh, they don't always understand how to use social media efficiently to get messages out there. So even some... And I can tell you this for a fact, even some uh, ministers are using other avenues to get the information out there in terms of their, their government role, because they're like, yeah, GIS, yeah, you know, huh. yeah, okay. They've been doing the same thing the exact same way for the past 40 years. And that's not necessarily the most effective way in 2022. Uh, but there are... The beauty of, of living in 2022 is it is easier 
to get information out there because all MPs have social media platforms um, and other ways of disseminating information that isn't necessarily costly either. So point taken, but when it comes to, um, you know, some of the things that the MPs could be doing to share information at the constituency level, I think every single one needs to step it up a little bit. It doesn't cost you anything to do a Zoom meeting, which you can host online and just send people the link and invite them to join in. We might still be hesitant to have physical meetings because of, you know, COVID is still very much alive and well. KK says, but we can't be so quick to say he did it. I mean, just saying, but it's sad overall. Yeah, I mean, we will wait uh, on, the, on the justice system there in um, Honduras to work. But they were pretty close to being caught red-handed. So um, Jared says, who or what shall we blame for the social decay? Well, look at the man in the mirror is what I say. If everybody took responsibility for our part, then uh, we wouldn't be trying to blame other people. The blame game is strong. Jared says, GIS not ready. Good morning, Melicia. How are you? So half an hour more or less at remaining in the program. Anything else on your mind today that you guys want to discuss? 936-2626 is the telephone number. So, of course, we continue to, um, to watch the situation with monkeypox. And, uh, you know, um, I see Renee put up a story yesterday on it. Uh, the authorities are paying attention. They're actually, in terms of availability of things, they're actually monitoring um, whatever vaccines or treatments that they need for monkeypox to make sure that they have enough on hand. Should this be a precursor to a much larger outbreak that's coming? Mm -hmm. Stay informed, folks. That's all I can tell you. Because my goodness, you just never know what's next. So the Cayman Islands Air Show. Hey, it's coming up. Save the date for Friday, June the 3rd. Mark your calendar. We're going to have flying display over Public Beach from 10 a.m. until 12.30 p.m. Sorry, Aircraft exhibit at the airport from 2.30 until 5.30. So this is wonderful because we have not had an air show in a minute. So I know that a lot of people are super, super excited about this. Uh, we're going to be getting some more details, hopefully, in the coming days about what uh, specific aircrafts will be on display and perhaps uh, a few more details about what the, um, you know, what the performance will look like, because I think everybody wants a good show. So Denny asked the question, regarding GIS, any laws and regulations needed to bring them into the 21st century? Um Denny, I don't, I don't know if it's about laws and regulations as it is just thinking outside the box. The box is no longer square. And I think sometimes um, elements of government haven't received or gotten that message. They're just used to doing what they think has always worked for them. And they just continue to do it the same way. So I don't know what to tell you, except you probably need some fresh blood in GIS that can shake things up a little bit and inject some new ideas and a different way of, of reaching the intended audience and doing things. Government loves a press release. 
as someone who's in the space of media um, and, you know, they're not the only ones. Someone sent me a press release the other day. I'm not going to say who. And I said to them, why are you sending a press release that reads like a book? This is too long. We didn't publish it because it's too long. Nobody's going to read this. Not even me. You send me a press release on a topical issue that is seven pages long or whatever the heck this was. I was like, are you kidding me? If you have that much to say, that's when you need to sit down and actually have a conversation, like an interview, and just engage and talk to the people. There's a couple NPOs that send these, oh my God, laborious, lengthy, boring press statements. And I, I just look at them and shake my head. They are so long, nobody is going to read it. And quite frankly, it's less likely to get published as well. I gotta show y'all this press release. Hopefully you can't really see who it's from because it's pretty small. But this, this is what somebody sent, look at this. Look at all that, really? No, 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 no button not reading that. Sorry for you, what? Most of y'all don't wanna read past the second paragraph. Now, it's not my job to tell GIS how to do their job. You know what I'm saying? They, they have people sitting there making a big fat salary, so they should know what they're doing. But how relevant are they now? Well, y'all need to tell me. Gabby says, wow, so many childhood memories about the air show. I know, fantastic. And yes, not, let's not forget about the sister islands. They'll, they will be included. This is all part of the Queen's um, Jubilee celebrations. Jared says that GIS needs a lesson in innovation and creativity. Denny says, so you don't know then. Um, I don't think that there's any laws that determine how GIS does their job. Uh, I can say that with probably 98% certainty. They have the freedom to do it, execute it how they will. So Anthony Blair says exactly, GIS is the same old, uh, same old snooze fest, creativity with all that person, personnel. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be critical of them, but uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it is what it is, folks. Uh, Cameron says, morning, Sandy. Have you heard anything more about the car that was being held for ransom? It, it was recovered. Now, here's a perfect example of people who are um, still not with the times. So after we put the story up, it was recovered. The police are like, oh, don't let CMR know that it was recovered or don't have them tell the public because it might impact our investigation. Woo, R sips or whatever we call you guys these days, y'all need a PR makeover, like in the most serious way. The way that they conduct information and the way that they want the public's help when it's convenient for them, but then they don't want to share information when they think it's not convenient for them, it's just a hot mess. 
But yes, indeed, Cameron, the, the vehicle was recovered. And the police, um, this should be a fairly open and shut case because the person who stole it called making the ransom demands. And they have, they can trace phone calls and they have their voice on the phone. This really should not be anything that um, is difficult <laughs> for them to solve. So I'm not quite sure why their position was, oh, don't tell anybody that it was found. Let's take a quick commercial break, folks. You're listening to The Cold Hard Truth, Bobo 89.1 FM, Facebook, and YouTube. Recover personal injury attorneys, helping injured people get what they deserve. Did you know that insurance companies have lawyers that represent their interests? Before signing and accepting any settlement, know your rights. Call us today for a free consultation at 924-9999. That's 924-9999. Recover. Your personal injury attorneys are on standby to assist. Hey, look here. You looking for something to do? Are you looking for something to do with friends and family? How about a private boat trip? Enjoy popular locations like Stingray City, Starfish Point, Rum Point, or Kaibo on a trip with WG Charters. Private boating is only $400 CI or $500 US. Take him or her out on an evening date and cruise around the North Sound for that beautiful sunset or romantic night cruise for only $300. Visit WGCharters.com or look for WG Charters on Facebook, Instagram, or WhatsApp 345-923-1741. WG Charters. My choice. At Innovative Building Products, we provide professional builders and homeowners with the highest quality materials from top brands worldwide. Tiling tools, waterproofing systems, fin sets, self-levelers, grout, along with porcelain floor and wall tiles. Our products are 100% guaranteed, promise 100% satisfaction, and beat competitor pricing. Pallets of materials are ready to go. Quick and easy convenience to get you in and out within five minutes. At the HSA, we know that your time is a precious resource and want to help you spend it wisely. Avoid the wait and request your prescription refills through our website, WhatsApp, or by calling the pharmacy. Use our delivery service if you are vulnerable, elderly, or a civil servant, or pick them up the next day. Your secure health records are at your fingertips with our My HSA Patient Portal and Healthy Life app. Our nine locations throughout all three islands make receiving quality care simple and convenient because your time matters to us all right folks welcome back to the program 936-2626 i saw someone calling during the commercial break feel free to call back um let me just read some comments here so someone said that um this young man just trying to to figure out who he is they said sandra jade woodman is the brother of former Miss Cayman, but I still don't know which Cayman we're referring to here. He was deported from the USA. That is where his mother, Tracy, is living uh, because he got involved in gang activity in Tampa. So very sad. Wow. Mm -mm -mm. Someone else says, I hear the Caymanian and Jamaican are the ones that stole the boat from here. My source is normally pretty good. Mm. Oh, mess. Huh. Yes, sir. Um, 
So someone says Honduras, my uncle um, spent years in jail, never officially convicted. Family members had to send money for him to survive. He didn't, they don't provide meals or basic human needs. You're on your own. They're packed up like sardines in cells. So they don't feed you? What? So what if you don't have anybody to send you money? Someone else replies, boy, leave it up to Cayman in Jamaican to get in trouble. Mm-mm. 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 What a mess. Ah. Wow. All right. Um, Kelsey Bodden Woodman. She was a Miss Cayman. Kelsey Bodden Woodman. Who's she? Shows how much I keep track of Miss Caymans. But anyway, all right. Um, someone says, is there any point in contacting or communicating with your district MP if they're not in government? They don't do anything except provide comfort and a listening ear, can they? <laughs> well, I, I suppose it depends on why you're contacting them because there's stuff that a backbencher can still do. Um, so, I mean, they can't affect policy changes, but yeah, there's, there's things that uh, they can still do. So I guess it depends on what you need them for. Uh... Someone says, I'm sure don't want to see them at my house, but it would be nice if they remember the people, but one time in four years. Someone said, good morning, Sandy. Sir Alden, it should be. Oh, my apologies to Sir Alden. Uh, very good. All right, folks. Uh, you guys make me chuckle. All right, so um, Denny, uh, Cameron says, boy, you can hear some stuff. Yeah, you can hear some stuff. All right, Gabby says, every time I hear Mr. Quincy, I think about the bus man story. You think I fool fool? Or Hashtag priceless. What was the bus man story? I think I missed that one. Uh, port staff being fired. Well, um, <laughs> we are waiting on a, we put in an FY request. We were hoping that, you know, listen, when you're media, you shouldn't have to FOI everything because then they they purposely, oh, FOI 30 days and, you know, they, they take their sweet time. Sometimes it's just a very simple media query. It doesn't have to be FOI. It's like, hey, I know you guys did this report recently on the port. Can we just get a copy of the report? We've received your FOI and we'll take our times 30 days later and see if we can respond to you. It's like, uh, if you have it, can you just send it? Does it really take 30 days to send a report by email? So we've requested this report because it might give us some additional insight. Um, I still am working on this, this story about uh, the money that government allegedly owes port workers dating back for many, many, many years. And the reason why uh, the story should have been up over a month ago, but the reason why I haven't been able to put the story up yet is I'm trying to figure out where that matter stands currently. 
because I understand that under the previous government, there were some talks with maybe the AG's office on actually coming to a settlement because government has pretty much admitted that they owe the money, but it hasn't been paid. So I don't, you know, this is where I'm trying to get like, what was the last correspondence on this uh, for the port workers? Their lawyers had been working on it, but of course, a lot of the port workers, they were trying to pool resources in order to get this matter resolved because they don't really have a lot of money to be fighting the situation. So, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're waiting to see um, kind of, you know, if, if we can get that report and we can continue to have the conversation on the port. But yes, there were some temporary workers that were hired uh, that it looks like they were trying to remove them. It's a little bit confusing in terms of what they were trying to do. And we are trying to chase up some missing minutes from the port. So their board has quite interestingly enough not published um, certain minutes. And I don't quite understand why. Caller, good morning and welcome to the Cold Hard Truth. Good morning to you, Sandy. Good information. Thank love you. it, love it. I look forward to it. Oh, thank you so much. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hide behind my, or try to hide behind my voice. Uh -huh. Some people do know my voice. Yes, ma'am. I'm, I'm Rhonda Shirlene Schmidt. Oh, but beautiful. I don't know if you know this, Sandy, but uh -huh. um, many years ago, you wasn't even born yet. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> we, we, we were never called by our first names. In school, oh. we were always by the second names, and um, unless it was too many that was name alike in the same class, because you know our classrooms were never um, divided into classrooms. The only division we had was um, blackboards, mm -hmm. and in those days we didn't have grades; we had standard. Standard one, standard two, standard three, and it went on and on and on. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm Shirlene, like I said, and I'm the wife of, of Captain Peter Schmidt mm -hmm. that flew for Cayman Airways for 33 and a half years, not even a, a thank you letter mm -hmm. from Cayman Airways. But I am not going to hold that against them because that's their style. It's only a certain clique that get those things. Uh, my reason for calling is I, I would sound like a broken record because before your show, which I am thankful for, um, um, on Radio Cayman, Mm -hmm. I always used to talk about uh, emergency uh, building being built in West Bay because 2004, we were overcrowded at the um, John Cumba primary school hall overcrowded mm -hmm. that has approximately can hold approximately 
350 people. And and I, I do not mean sleeping on cots. We, we had very few of them. Mm-hmm. I was with the Red Cross. I was trained with the Red Cross, and I was stationed down there. So I know what I'm speaking about. I've been at the politicians saying it over the radio about every year. Mm-hmm. Let's get a shelter built because now the population has even grown more in, mm-hmm. in West Bay. Mm-hmm. Nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. I also wonder what's going on with meals and wheels mm-hmm. when they don't serve the people, the people that they, 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 they give the food to from a Monday to Friday. What happens to those poor people? What happens to those elderly people that needs that food for Saturday and Sunday and public holidays? Where do they get the food? Nobody has answered me, not our politicians, not any of them. Mm. Now, in West Bay, I'm not from West Bay Central, mm-hmm. but I go to listen to her meetings. Catherine Ebanks-Wilts had two meetings, and I, I, I went to them. Mm-hmm. She seems to be the only one that still remember um, that she's, she is voted in in West Bay, and she is our employee, even though I'm, I am in West Bay West. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, about all of this giving out and um, the turkeys and the hams and the, the washers and the dryers and, and so on and so on, refrigerators and building cabinets for people and stuff, that's started by you're not being a West Bayer, but I know you must have heard. Mm-hmm. That started many, 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 many years ago. Mm-hmm. It also started the fact that monies was given out, still been given out, um, to people. Our monies, mm-hmm. our hard-earned monies mm-hmm. has been given out to people that don't want to work, and they're told they don't need to work, so they go and sit at a politician fence, go in to that politician home from four, five, six o'clock in the morning. When they get the money, you can come down West Bay and see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're sitting on West Bay Public Beach under the under the cabanas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They sleep there you, uh, every month. You see, they um, some of them even get stipend, and and, and they, they they only clean bathrooms mm-hmm. uh, maybe once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. It is so many things out there that is very concerning to people that love this island like me. Mm-hmm. But what do I get? I get looked down on, but do I care? Because they're not giving me anything. Mm-hmm. And then 
they feel bad because I'm not there sitting by their door or uh, uh, Peter or Patrick have to sit by their door mm-hmm. and ask for money. And you were right this morning. You hit the nail on the head when you said, um, you know, where are these politicians that came or wanted to be politicians that came mm-hmm. to love this island? We have so many that was a politician before and didn't get in the last time. It is so many things that can be done. So many things, little things that would make a difference mm-hmm. in people's lives. I know because I still do it. Mm-hmm. And I know I run for politics because I think it is dirty. Mm-hmm. Some of them make it dirty. They don't, they don't represent who they're supposed to represent. They only represent a few. Mm-hmm. But I know my time is limited. But Sandy, you need to take a drive down in West Bay and see your beautification on the West Bay Seven Mile Beach and West Bay mm-hmm. Public Beach. Sorry, West Bay Public Beach by the boat ramp. And um, you wonder now, mm-hmm. men, women, men and women, women has now joined them. Why can't they go and? and rake up some elderly person yard that can't do it, even offer to paint or whatever they can do. It it, 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 it just bugs me to know that I don't have any small children. Mm-hmm. And Peter and myself are running every day, all day, trying to help people that need help, don't know how to get help, and would not get it because they're not in the pockets of the mm-hmm. the, the politician. I hope I'm not taking up too much of your time. No, my dear, I wish everyone, and I thank you for giving me the privilege. I have more to say, but if I I think if I feed you with some of Peter um, Swiss muesli made fresh. Mm. And I give it to you, and then you can go on and on with all the information that you can give us till tomorrow. Wow! And we'll take and we'll take care of your little girl. <laughs> one one day we're gonna do that. Some fresh muesli. Well, that sounds amazing. Thank you so much. Appreciate yeah, the but call. We'll 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 get some to you. You just need to tell us where your your office is. Okay. And believe me, that is much better than overnight oats. Um, I hope you're not allergic to, are you allergic to any nuts? No. Uh -uh. Because fresh fruit goes in it. Oh, nice. um, Oats and walnuts. Beautiful. No, I love nuts. So that would be nice. Okay. We'll we'll arrange it. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you so much for your time and a good weekend to you and your family. A good weekend to everybody out there and God bless these islands of ours. Thank you, my dear. Same to you. All right, folks. Yes, feed me. No problem. I love me some muesli. And you know, the overnight oats that I like, it actually has muesli like mixed into it, I think. 
So um, she must have read my mind because just yesterday I was saying to myself, wow, I haven't had it in a couple of weeks now. And I feel like mm, I'm long overdue for some overnight oats and muesli. So yes, we'll definitely arrange that. Cameron says Sandy would need a chaperone in West Bay. She'll get lost up there. How you know? I'm a Georgetown. Of course, I'm going to get lost in the West. Shall I be getting lost in Georgetown if I'm in the right area? I'd be like, geez, um, how do I get out of Windsor Park again? Those old streets get me all confused. But um, I thank her for the invitation because there's been other people um, who have been inviting me to come into West Bay to see some of the conditions under uh, which people are living in that uh, district. Um, this is this is legit. Um, you know, uh, Miss Romelia has been saying to me that there's a gentleman there. I believe it's a gentleman who's agreed to speak with me. And, uh, you know, wants to show what the the situation is, the living conditions. And the question becomes, how, how has this happened? Uh, everybody's blaming the politicians. They're saying the politicians have failed us. Um, you heard that caller to the program. Um, Ms. Rhonda said that four MPs in West Bay and she only ever hears or sees one. So I think the bottom line is when you have constituents saying these things, that means that you all need to step it up. If you're interested in continuing a political career, maybe some of you are really not that interest, interested because, you know, I have wondered about some. Um, but at the end of the day, um, there, there's a lot that people can do. Now, the questions about Meals on Wheels, I'll see what I can find out because I don't know exactly how their scheduling works. I do know that that's a, you know, NPO volunteer organization and they do provide critical meals to a lot of people who otherwise would not be able to get a meal. So, you know, they deliver it. Uh, Burger King and Popeye's, the owner of, of that franchise now, uh, Mr. Mark Anthony, during the lockdown was allowing them for a period of time to even utilize his kitchen at the Burger King uh, in Georgetown to be able to prepare some meals and to get some meals out. And this is, you know, where private partnerships with NPOs and private organizations, you know, it's not that government has to do everything for sure. I think private sector has its role to also play in these things just like all of us do. So if you live in communities and you live in neighborhoods where you know you have a vulnerable individual uh, in your neighborhood, you should be stepping up to the plate and trying to help that person uh, where you can, you know, if they need a little, little plate of food and you can assist and offer that, then by all means, um, you know, do your part. So I appreciate again, um, that caller's commentary. Um, there are definitely some concerns. I feel like every district has pockets of uh, severe poverty, um, homes that, that should be condemned and nobody should be living in. You know, we need to have, I don't know, would that be planning's responsibility? I don't know whose responsibility it is to ensure that people are not living in these conditions. But then, of course, you can't just take somebody out of some sort of a structure without an alternative plan of where you're actually going to, um, where you're actually going to put them. So these are things that are really, really important, folks. Uh, 9362626 is the telephone number. We've got about oh, another 54. So um, about another seven minutes or so in the program. Is that right? Um, so do call in if you have anything else that you'd like to discuss. Uh, listen, 
if you hear the people, if you hear the voters in your country begging you to be more active as a as an MP, take it upon yourself. You're, you're still one year into this current term. Take it upon yourself to really see, uh, folks, if you can step it up. That's all I'm saying. I mean, if I were an MP and I got wind of this program this morning, I would start to think, um, right, what more can I do? And there's a lot that you can do. Look at MP Sabrina Turner. She mentioned the fact that she's going to be, um, you know, organizing something for the kids during the summer months for summer camp to help the parents in her constituency alleviate some of the burden that's placed on them because summer, you know, can be a very, very difficult time for families with children. And it's very expensive to be able to put multiple children in multiple summer camps throughout um, the two months that they're out of school. What about if we just allowed kids to continue, like have all year school? Is it time we started to think about that a little bit? I'm sure the kids are like, are you crazy, Miss Sandy? No, we need our summer break. Is it really beneficial to them? I don't know. Listen, I'm one of those parents. I'm like, keep them in school. Yes. <laughs> so um, again, the funeral service at, at uh, one o'clock today, I have it on good authority that um, here on Bobo, they will be live streaming it. So tune in. Uh, this will be the first time they're doing it. So I'm sure bear with us, but this is wonderful. Uh, you can actually listen to it. So a lot of you don't, again, you may not have data to be able to watch it. So listen in and you can hear the official funeral of um, K-Man's second um, national hero, Miss Sybil McLaughlin, which starts this evening at 1 p.m. at uh, MZ Memorial. And again, if, you're, if you don't have a reason to be in Georgetown this afternoon, uh, please, you know, don't be in Georgetown because essentially what's going to happen is um, there will be a procession afterwards from Emsley Memorial to Hero Square, which, you know, she already has, um, uh, I, I think, a, a headpiece. I don't know that that's formally what they call it there in her honor. So um, Mr. Bush says, Sandy, please read my chat to you. People see who they want to see. A public meeting is not always the way to go, I maintain that the personal contact with people is the best Then there are when there are personal needs. The more public needs are met best when cabinet responds to the needs as put forward by MPs. Yes, um, there are times when I think you need to do more than one thing. So no one is saying that a public meeting is all you need to have. I think you need to be flexible as an MP and reach out to people in different ways. As Mr. Bush said, it certainly depends on the need. So if someone has a private matter that can't be dealt with in a public setting. Jared, we have a few minutes left in the program, literally one minute. Uh, I'm just paying attention here to the um, 9.58.08 is when we'll be ending the show on Bobo. What are your thoughts today? Well, you know, I think, you know, if politicians haven't gotten the gist that, you know, Generation Z, Millennials, we need more. We, we raised in technology. Do your Facebook, do your YouTube, do your live stream. It's not rocket science. Um, I think um with the inefficiency of certain politicians it, it does leave room for people who who tried last last year or last election cycle to come in and take advantage so you know the strategy i'll, I'll let you yes yeah, so um folks see you at one o'clock for the official funeral 
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, with the current government that's in, what would give them brownie points is you know how are you managing the gas prices? You know, pe- people are the everyday Caymanian, the everyday local is feeling the brunt of the the economy. Depending mm-hmm. on how the PACT handles it, the gas price, the baby formula shortage. You have hurricane. There's a whole slot of issues that are always going on. But as the government, you're charged with solving those problems. Now, in terms of the electoral base, the respective um, districts, what we have to look at is, did this person do what they said they were going to do? Mm-hmm. How, did they, how did they manage the recession that is coming eventually? How, how did they manage the inflation? And I think because politicians feel that a certain generation of Caymanians are, are used to, oh, you get fridge, you get stove, then young people don't want that. We want money in our pockets. So how they handle it, like I say, and how, and how ministers use technology to get to young people, it all plays a role. Now, as, mm-hmm. a, as a political analyst, I will say, you know, Ka- Catherine Wilkes, the deputy speaker, she's doing her thing. Sabrina Turner, is doing her thing, Minister Sabrina. So Brownie points to them. I, I'm not saying anything else about the other people, but young people, we're not so we're not so short-sighted. <laughs> so when 2025 come up, we we are going to see those who performed, and we're going to evaluate, and we will strike off the person that didn't do the job. But I don't think politicians are taking the mm-hmm. political electorate seriously, and and it shows. So. That's 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 my thing. How are they dealing with the it's, everyday issue? Yes, I think Mr. Bush said he sent something, but I'm not seeing where it was sent is the problem. Um, so I don't see anything in WhatsApp. Where was it sent? All right, um, but do send it to us. I mean, we we're happy to um to share information, but I'm not really finding that when you said to read my chat to you. Yeah, yeah, so I don't actually see where that chat is because it's not on my WhatsApp, so I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, we, we will share it, not to worry. So Ms. Della says, and imagine like Cayman Brack, they have had members in top positions in other previous governments that were in power. What a shame. It's going to take more than four years to clean up this mess that this island is in. And that's a fair point. I mean, this government um, has a you know, task before them. And uh, some of it is about maintenance. And then some of it really is about cleaning up. Um, and, uh, as they say, Rome wasn't built in a day and it wasn't smashed down in a day either. So some of the issues that we're facing, especially social issues and even economic issues mm-hmm. are ones that, uh, will take, you know, some time to get on a path where we can actually see a difference. So sometimes yeah. you, can, you can put the processes in place or you can put the, 
um, the strategic elements in place, the policy elements in place, but to actually see the results of any of that, uh, it doesn't happen overnight. Well, you know, as a political analyst, I, 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 what I do know about government is that government loves. I'll, I'll, I'll acquiesce to the caller. All right, caller. Good morning, and welcome to the program. Uh, oh, I thought the program was finished. You know. <laughs> We're going into a little bit of overtime, so you're trying to call afterwards. Yes. Oh, okay. I wanted to give you some information. Okay, call me a little bit later then. Okay. Bye. Okay. Then. Sorry. Yeah. So. so so yes. government loves to thrive on its bureaucracy, right? And we, we see, okay, development, yeah, it seems to mostly be in the developer's advantage. But um, I think at the end of the day, getting back to the issue, but young people don't want to hear that. We mm -hmm. really don't want to hear that. We want to hear the solutions. We want mm -hmm. to see um, traffic reduced. We want to see crime down. We want to, we, 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 the government is there for the most part, to solve 60% of the issues. 40% is is left up to us, right? But we don't care if 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 it takes so long. Get it done. We want it expedited because you see with Generation Z and the millennials and, and certain generational groups, we've been accustomed. When we go to Burger King, we get it fast. So the same way certain media outlets are able to expedite certain things, the government has to get on that train. And, and it just always seems that we're always trying to drag the government from a stone age into the, the 21st century, when you look at certain agencies. And young people, we don't, we don't care that it takes the government so long. And the problem is, it's the same excuse, oh, we have a process. So, so if, if nothing changes, should young people even go to the polls? That's the question. Should a young person even give you a vote when 2025 comes up if you're not expediting or making the process um, smooth and efficient? That, that's what it boils down to. Because we look at, okay, we look at gas prices. I think it's $6, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We could say that's attributed to Russia and Ukraine. Okay. Mm -hmm. What is what is Offreg doing? I usually don't ever hear nothing from Offreg. Who is the minister in charge of off-rec? When we look at 2025, what did the minister do when hyperinflation was there? Because mm -hmm. the, every ministry that you have as a minister, it's a report card. You know, when we look at case, we say, okay, Minister Ebanks is good at leading a delegation to the UK, but cannot handle his home issue, which is case. People don't care if you can lead a delegation in the UK. That's nice. People want to know if you can solve the issue at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So the lack of media presence, the lack of innovation and creativity to connect with young people, mm -hmm. it, it will work against you yeah. in the polls. And, and you know what else, um, Jared, is interesting in terms of the Keys Foundation? Yesterday after the program, I had a number of young people um, reach out who were in the Francis Bodden uh, Children's Home saying that they want to share their stories. <laughs> Sorry, which are not positive stories. Let's put it that way. Um, one young lady is going to take pen to paper and share some of what happened to her. And I have to wonder, as I, you know, uh, was corresponding with her, again, you talk about the politicians not necessarily being connected in the way that they should. 
we, we need politicians who are uh, jack of all trades. So yes, we need politicians who can go abroad, represent us on the world stage, right? Um, you know, go to these conferences overseas, et cetera. But we also need politicians who understand that they need to be in the trenches with the people who elected them, right? Because uh, you, he, uh, that particular minister understands financial services and he understands the need to keep that afloat because right now that is what is keeping the Cayman economy going as tourism took a significant hit from, um, you know, the whole COVID pandemic. So yes, we need financial services in a big way. So yeah. we're glad that he's focusing on that, but that's not the sole focus. That shouldn't be the only focus. You've got to be able to um, juggle multiple balls in the air at once. And those are the expectations that we have of modern day politicians. Yeah. You know, people have needs like, yeah, okay. I hundred percent. You're good at leading the delegation. That is good. But you have a, a, a home, which is housing Caymanians, which is causing social detriment to the Cayman Islands. So every time you you might think you, you're doing five steps forward, but actually you're doing 10 steps backwards because you need those Caymanians that are going to be able to contribute to the Caymanian economy that can be project managers, construction people, whatever. So when they get in abused and it, it trickles over, right? You know, because if you, you know, the, the, the child will end up needing more social services. Mm -hmm. So like you said, you need to be a jack of all trades. You need to have your hand on the pulse. I, I wouldn't even mention the school and the process it took for uh, 15, 20 odd year old schools to get done because at least two to three governments had to do that. But we want to see problems solved, right? Mm -hmm. if, we're pay if we're paying you over 100,000, right? You've got to be pulling your weight. And, mm -hmm. and we don't see it. And people want to know what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Locking up yourself in your in your office on fifth floor and then coming up when 2025, it won't go well with the with the voters. Because mm -hmm. it just show that you only need us for a vote. But you're not actually consistently communicating. Now, what I will give props to the PACT is that they release the cabinet briefings. Mm -hmm. The problem is how many people read the cabinet briefings? If you had a press release every week, okay, you know, for the week or month of 2022, we did this, we did that, we did that. Visually, people see that. Visually, people can always go back to see that. The likelihood of people reading things have, have declined drastically. But how are you using technology to maintain the connection? GIS, I have no opinions on them other than their GIS. But when it comes to the plethora of issues at the end of the day, it, it, it's how you communicate it. The opposition's job isn't to do much. And I would love to be the opposition because you know what? All you have to do is critique. The opposition doesn't well, have to have it. My, my point is yeah. they should be doing more. Well, you see, a good opposition, a good leader in the opposition can outshine a government any day if they manage their cards right. If, if, if you had the opposition leader saying, hey, what's going on with congestion? Why is it congestion? Yeah. You know, and I mean, like, their, their role shouldn't be just to criticize. Shouldn't, shouldn't they also be proactive in getting stuff done? Well, okay. The thing with opposition, because they're not in government, they can't expedite things as they would want them. Now, the thing is, politically, if you give a good idea, 
the government could take it and and use it and the government could say oh i did this idea right because the whole thing with politics is who did what who executed and who finished it but to be honest the opposition is supposed to provide solutions at the end of the day. It's supposed to be managing its its constituency, because the people in those constituency voted for them as well. But you know, a good opposition really keeps the government on their toes. So you you notice how certain mm -hmm. members of the PSCT keep the government on their toes, and you know the government would always get a bit frustrated at times. You know, if, if you watch some of those debates. I don't get that sense with this opposition because they do know there will be certain errors made by the PACT and it's only a matter of time until the PACT makes those errors that they can say, oh, well, look, this is what you elected, that's what you got. So the opposition is counting on the inexperience to work against the PACT but the PACT has to execute an excellent relay team to say, well, yeah, we dropped this, but we worked on it and we got it done. We don't want to hear, oh, next election, right? Because when it comes to the conduct from members of parliament, PACT, you're dropping the ball on that. that, that you know, right? Because that, that was an election promise. Will it happen? Time will tell. But it's 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 anybody's game at this point, really and truly. And politicians need to understand that it's 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 a given. Anybody can take their seat, even if you're the premier. Alden almost lost his seat. The speaker almost lost his seat. Um, we, we've seen a lot of flipping happen. Mm -hmm. So it's it's nobody's game. And I want the politicians to feel the pressure because. You're there to solve the problems at the end of the day, not to suck up the AC and be like, oh, my life is good. We're mm -hmm. watching and I'm, I'm definitely watching. So when the, when the report is done, probably in June, <laughs> there's some things that are going to be made. But thank you. Sandy. All right. Thank you, my dear Jared. Have a safe and beautiful weekend. Uh, Anthony Blair says, again, the efficient and accountable district councils are needed. Another arm to keep many in check. The thing about district councils, um, Anthony, is we have high hopes for them, but how they will actually work is a whole other cup of tea. Will they just be an extension of the politicians, like the boards, right? They're not, they're not always efficient. <laughs> so will district councils just be more more bureaucracy, more um, nepotism, more my friend's going to get an appointment on a district council to make them feel important and they actually do nothing and get nothing done, but blah, 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 blah. that will remain to be seen because quite frankly, we just don't know in practical terms how effective they will be. So theoretically, the concept of a district council sounds wonderful. How will it actually work? Only God knows. Uh, so people are asking about this young man, Woodman, and they were saying she's related to Miss Cayman. This is why I had no clue who, who they were talking about. It was Miss Cayman World. So very different than Miss Cayman Universe. And I was thinking of Miss, uh, Miss Cayman Universe. So Miss Cayman World 2018, Kelsey Woodman Bodden. So this is this beautiful young lady. But listen, I'm sure she has no control over what her brother does. Apparently, they share the same mother, Tracy Woodman, uh, but different fathers. Okay. Y'all like to know who who somebody for? 
So there you have it. Uh, Folks, have a beautiful weekend. Tune back in at one o'clock for the official funeral service and uh, be safe. We'll see you guys on Monday morning.